Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Russell Live Radio. Uh, what episode is this? 110. 110. That's yep. right. We have uh, passed 10 episodes past 100. I can do making, math. Making progress. <laughs> Before you know it, we're it's going to be episode 500. Also, uh, if you guys have been listening, you know that uh, I've complained about Matt's use of the... Uh, he, he titles the episodes in our database as W-I-R, which I thought he was using a little lowercase L for the longest time. And I was like, why is it? It was just confusing when I read it. So now he has started to, to name the episodes with a capital W, lowercase I, capital R. But in my uh, ever defiance, I'm still naming the episodes capital W, capital L, capital R. Makes Mainly sense. just so you could tell that I recorded it. You could do WLR, WIR. I could. But then I guess that would just be me being one step closer to Matt, and I don't want to do that. Yeah, nobody wants that. <laughs> no. So, uh, and and he's also absent again this week. So, uh, yeah, we I don't know what he's doing. He, he must be setting up another D&D match or something. But he needs to get back to work. I don't know what he's, we're over here doing the heavy lifting for That's him. Right. We need to crack that whip. So, but we're still, regardless, going to bring you Dynamite and SmackDown for this week. But before we get into that, we're going to do a little This Day in Wrestling History. And I'm stealing it from Chris. Yeah, uh, yeah we've, we've kind of been doing it because, I mean, let's face it, there's been a lot going on in the real world, outside of the wrestling world and inside the wrestling world uh, these last couple weeks. So we've haven't done it in a while. At least I haven't. Uh, but we're bringing it back this week. And uh, we're going to highlight in 1994 on this day in wrestling history, WWF held their first ever Hall of Fame induction ceremony. It wasn't the first Hall of Fame class. I think the year before they they inducted uh, Andre the Giant. He was the first inductee in the Hall of Fame. But this was actually a ceremony that they held. Um, and it was the first actual ceremony they did for it. And... Can you give a wild guess at who any of these inductees are, Micah? Nope, not a one. I'll, I'll give you a hint. They're old folks. Uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong. <laughs> no, but it's not a bad guess. Uh, the first Hall of Fame induction ceremony class, I think it was the second class overall, uh, Classy Freddie Blassie, Bobo Brazil, who I have no idea who that is, James Dudley, don't know who that is either, it's the I'm Dudley dad, the dad of the Dudleys. <laughs> I'm not a wrestling historian, so don't hate on me. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon, which obviously I knew that. I know that one. Arnold Scaland, Scotland. Uh, don't know who that is. Buddy Rogers, the 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 original Nature Boy, Nature Boy, and uh, Chief J Strongbow, which I know who that is as well. He he did a lot of wrestling in the South, uh, so he's pretty famous down where uh, where we're from. But that was your first Hall of Fame induction ceremony class. A long time ago. It sure was. Wrestling has changed much since then. It sure has. And uh, Shane McMahon, Vince, Jim Ross, Bob Backlund, Bret Hart, Tatanka, all inducted um, these participants. So, wow. uh, it, yeah, it was it was funny that I was like going through these. There's a, there's a list of things I was looking through of possible events. And I had it marked on here with like, Hall of Fame called out and I 
lost my place on the page or something and I saw Hall highlighted. I did like a fine search and I'm like, oh, there it is. And it was, uh, the year was 1979. I was like, well, that's not right. And uh, apparently in 1979, Nikolai Volkov defeated Mike Hall. So, Who? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what uh, Google called out for me. I don't even think my dad was old enough to watch wrestling in 1971. Probably not. <laughs> yeah, he might. He probably doesn't know who Nikolai Volkov is, but yeah, probably not. Anyway, let's get into modern day wrestling. Uh, right. We're going to start this week with uh, Micah's review of Dynamite, and once again, I did not watch Dynamite, so I have no idea what it happened. I don't. Even, I don't even think I saw the. I might have heard the like reviews of it. I, but I can't recall. Like it's it's been a long week for me. So this weekend, last week, so. you gotta you gotta just start. You know, just YouTube. Them. You gotta get to start uh, just watching YouTube clips of SmackDown and reviewing based off that. That way, you can enjoy the entire experience that is AEW, and maybe you will start enjoying wrestling again. You know, instead of uh, loathing as you would with the WWE programming, or at least as I would, because I don't even watch the stuff anymore. To be honest with you. I mean, if I yeah. hear it's a good episode, I'll, I'll pull it up, but I'm not spending seven hours a week on WWE programming. But anyways, maybe you do, and maybe that's why you're here. So if you enjoy it, I'm glad you enjoy it. Me personally, I don't. I do enjoy AEW, though, so let's get into that. <laughs> we open up AEW this week, and they've got a, uh, I guess we call it a vignette. Uh, basically, you know, just, just commenting on all the events happening around the world right now, um, saying we hear you, we see you, we'll fight with you. And they had a, a thing go across the screen that said Black Lives Matter. And obviously around here, we're just a bunch of nerdy white guys. But I will say, I think it's very nice to see AEW standing behind this movement and standing behind uh, a lot of their competitors of uh, different racial backgrounds. And just taking the time to say, hey, be kind, treat everybody equally. I think that's really cool to see them do, especially to open up the show. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't want to spend too much time on that because maybe we're trying to, you know, maybe this is your getaway this week. But anyways... Uh, surprisingly, opening up this show is Kip Sabian with Jimmy Havoc versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Adam Page for the tag team titles. Opening up the show, uh, yeah, I was not expecting this to be the first match of the night. Honestly, I think this is more of a main event than Jungle Boy versus Cody, but they've got, you know, that's the whole first defense of the TNT title, blah, 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 Cody is involved. So we're starting out with this. That's fine. Also, also I actually did watch the highlights of the show now that I'm remembering it mm -hmm. or you're saying it. Uh, but that just tells you how long my week and last week have been. Cause I, it feels like a month ago that I watched this. Yeah. It happens with <laughs> AEW. I have to kind of refresh my mind because we, I obviously watch it when it airs on Wednesdays and we record these on Tuesdays. So there's, there's a long, long uh, period split there. Uh, so it does seem some like, I'm trying to think like how long ago is double or nothing. Was it four months ago? No, it was like, a week and a half ago. Okay. All right. Well, that's, that's life. That's <laughs> what happens when you're yep. spending your life slaving away at work. Um, anyways, uh, this match, it was, it was really good to see Kenny Omega and Hangman back. Um, it kind of makes me think, Hey, maybe things are getting back to normal. They're not, but it makes me think that way because, you know, Hangman's been gone for so long. Uh, it, it was really good to see him and Kenny back on the stage. And it's sad to think, they had the tag belts for so long. Surely they'll probably drop them soon. Uh, and we missed all this time because of the coronavirus. But, you know, we miss a lot of things in life because of it. But uh, I, I do hope that they get to keep the tag, tag titles for a little bit longer. Uh, just just really, really good match. Uh, 
looking through, yeah, probably match of the night for me. Uh, Kenny and Hangman involved, probably, it usually is the, the match of the night. Uh, of course, Penelope Ford got involved. Uh, I think it's worth mentioning that JR seemed uh, pretty pretty engaged by Penelope Ford's performance, and he was a little bit upset whenever she was inevi- inevitably thrown out of the match. Uh, JR is a single man, now a, a widow, I guess you could, would say. Yeah, it tends and, to be pretty uh, thirsty on Twitter. So maybe uh, maybe Kip Sabian needs to look out because, you know, the man under the black hat might be coming for his girl. You never know. I want to watch I mean, out. He is an author. He is a uh, Hall of Famer. That's and right. hey, if it, ha- it could ha- if it happened to Joey Janela, it could happen That's to right. Kip Sapien. So. I mean, I would take JR over Joey Janela. Yeah, good old JR. Good old JR. Uh, anyways, yeah, basically, so in, in evolve with her getting thrown out, she tried to Hurricane Rana Adam Page from the top rope, but uh, he like caught her and she's just like dangling with her legs over his shoulders. And the ref's like, hey, hey, stop that, stop that. And and Adam's like, what, what do I do? do? Do I just drop her? Should I drop her? And and the ref's like, yeah. And he's like, okay, just let's go. And Penelope Ford just drops to the ground. And it was hilarious. It was so good. It was so good to see her trying to get involved and it just failing. And it was just this funny spot. I really enjoyed it. I love stuff like that. But yeah, she gets thrown out. Uh, during that time when she's distracting the ref and all that, Jimmy Havoc comes in with an adjustable wrench. I guess he got from under the ring. They put the turnbuckles on with or something. And he attacks Hangman and Kenny with the wrench. Attempted murder, basically, uh, with this giant metal wrench. There was a lot Uh, of attempted murder in wrestling this past week. especially with Havoc involved. Right. Um, But yeah, Havoc and and Kip were in control for most of the match after this uh, and created a lot of drama. With uh, with Kenny and Hangman, you know, it made me think, oh, man, it looks like they really got this. How are Kenny and Hangman going to come back? But surely they're not going to drop the titles to them. But no, Kenny and Hangman took control of the match. Kenny is a madman. He's so fast. It was it's ridiculous whenever he, I don't know what you call it. I mean, when he goes Super Saiyan uh, towards the end of the match tra- traditionally. And it's just it's just so fast, so quick. He's so good, so talented. Him and Hangman, I can't say enough about him. I love him. They're they're probably my favorite tag team, and they don't even have a name. So, but what they do have a name for is their new tag team finisher, which is the Buckshot Lariat V Trigger combination. They're now now calling that the Last Call, and that was the last call for Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc. One, two, three. Hangman and Kenny have the win. Uh, yeah, re- really good match. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was also interesting. They cut off to FTR in the audience uh, watching on for this match. So maybe foreshadowing they're coming for the tag belt soon. Who knows? We'll talk about that a little bit later. It's also notable that they were way out in the crowd. So yeah, they were like, ringside, they weren't on the heel side or the face side. They were there in the middle. Some could say they were outsiders. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Maybe they were revolting. Maybe. Um, yeah, after that, we have a vignette with Sean Spears and Tully Blanchard. They're in the back of a limo. Uh, he, Sean, Sean Spears receives a box from Tully, and Tully says, this in this box is the solution for all of his problems. And in this box was a glove. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if he's trying to get into a Michael Jackson cosplay. Holy OJ. Yeah, did it fit? 
then you must acquit. That's what they say. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just one glove. Uh, the commentary was putting it over, saying something about it, maybe a new identity for him. Am I missing something? Was this like a thing from like the Four Horsemen or something back in the day? I don't know. I can't recall. I mean, the only person I know that wore like one glove was Kane. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't think he's going for a Kane gimmick. Um, <laughs> so let me know. Uh, let us know in the comments. Uh, what was what was this about? Because I, I don't know. I missed it. And and Matthew's it could just here. be something new. Um, so maybe it's something new. I don't know. I don't know what one glove has to do with anything. Uh, uh, Seth Rollins wears one glove now. Uh, maybe he's going for the Wednesday Night Messiah gimmick. Who knows? I guess you can't be a perfect ten out. with only one glove. That's right. You can only be a five. No. Uh, <laughs> after that, we had Brian Cage squashing Sean Dean. I think it's worth mentioning he squashed him with a buckle bomb. So. That is not outlawed here in AEW, just the old double double E, because we don't have Nia Jax wrestling here, so we're okay. Um, after this, I guess, match, uh, Taz actually cut a pretty good promo. I know I was a little harsh on him last week. I didn't think his promo skills were great. Um, yeah, he was cutting a promo on John Moxley, saying that he was insulted and angry. You know, he came out last week to uh, have a common courtesy with John Moxley and said that John Moxley just laughed him off. But uh, out comes John Moxley, and he said, you know, he wasn't laughing. He wasn't making fun of Taz or Brian Cage, but he was happy. He's excited for their match. He said even that, you know, Brian Cage could beat him. It, it's, it's very possible that Brian Cage could beat him. He is human. It's possible. But if Brian Cage wants to beat him, they're going to have to fight all night to beat him. So, yeah, I, I, I really like this segment. I think it was a good buildup to Fighter Fest with John Moxley and Brian Cage. Uh, I, I'm really liking John Moxley here recently. He's really came into his groove. Uh, really smart for him to point out like, hey, yeah, this guy's a freaking machine. That's his gimmick. It, obviously, you would think that he's going to beat me, but I'm not going down without a fight. So that was, uh, it was a really good little segment there. I enjoyed yeah. it. Taz did a good job. Yeah, I really like Taz's promo. Um, I It wasn't my favorite John Moxley promo. It wasn't bad, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it just wasn't great. It, it wasn't my favorite of his by any means, but I, I like the character he's given off. You know, it right. doesn't seem so much like for some time it seemed like a kind of half stone cold thing. It kind of feels like he's his own person now. He's got himself figured out. Yeah, um, and, and and I like that. I'm, I'm glad he he has that now. Yeah, um, but I, I agree. This I thought it was a good segment. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, after that. We have a we cut to uh, Lance Archer, and he's beating up some dude in a mask in a construction zone in Jacksonville. It looks like, and uh, Jake the Snake's there, and for some reason, in this random construction zone, Alex Marvez is there for an interview. Sure. I don't know. Seems like a bad idea, Alex, because you may be next. Um, everybody dies. He'd be glad that construction man was there for that's for, right uh, the Murhawk to kill for him to uh, to uh, assault. Yeah, but yeah, we did get to hear Lance speak a little bit uh, here. Jake didn't actually speak for him, and I thought it was pretty good. Um, he had, I'm sorry, uh, he had a lot of fire in his in his promo work. Uh, he even managed to get his catchphrase in without sounding forced, like you know some other companies. Uh, and yeah, basically he's just going off, going crazy. Jake even looked pretty genuinely scared at some point and apologized to Alex Marvez before they left. So 
I don't know what they're trying, what what seeds they're trying to plant here. But yeah, this was a this was a pretty good little segment uh, coming off of Lance Archer's loss. Still made him look pretty strong. Uh, maybe he'll do some recovery from facing Cody, and maybe they won't face again. Uh, yeah, moving on, we have Private Party. They're in the bar at Daly's place. They're drinking. And in comes Matt Hardy, and that's regular Matt Hardy, decaf Matt Hardy, some might say. And, yeah, he comes in, you know, complimenting him for their match they had last week, uh, saying that they, even saying that they remind him of a young Hardy Boys. And if they ever needed anything, just let him know. He'd be glad to help him. And Private Party, of course, they rightfully were freaking out. And, uh, you know, they were, they were throwing off some great physical comedy there in the back, too. It was really funny. But, uh, yeah, they, they said that if they were to team together, they could be called the Hardy Party. And uh, Tony Khan, if you're listening, don't do that. Uh, that's a bad <laughs> you don't, name. You don't want to see the Hardy Party? That's a bad name. That's not something I want ever. So please don't do that. Uh, yeah. But, no, I, I would like to see Matt Hardy with Private Party. I think that would be a pretty interesting dynamic. I don't know why they didn't go with Party Hardy. Party Hardy is much better. See, you should be a writer for AEW right mm-hmm. there. There you go. They were close. Uh, they were they were almost there. Uh, they just needed a little bit more, and that's Kyle.Pauly on Instagram <laughs> if you want to contact him for your all of your writing needs on AEW. But, yeah, uh, Matt Hardy is then leaving the bar, and he bumps into Sammy on his scooter. And Sammy's just looking terrified because this is a man that's attempted to murder him several times. <laughs> and uh, But it's, it's decaf Matt Hardy. So he says, it's okay, Sammy. We're cool. We're cool. We're good. And then they just went their separate ways, which was, this was, that was just, it was funny. It was just a good little funny spot. Yep. Uh, after that, they had the card announcing Fighter Fest, which is happening July 1st and July 8th. Uh, some might say that Fighter Fest is too big for one night. Uh, it's, I a, like it's a fest, for sure. I feel like I've heard that before uh, somewhere. I don't know. Somebody, somebody also said next week we may be getting the greatest match of all time. So, I don't Good know. Lord. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, they showed uh, they showed the card there, and the, the placard originally showed 10-9 Central, which really confused me and my wife. Um, but everything I've seen since then is showing 8-7 Central, so I would assume this is taking place of Dynamite for the next uh, for, for those two weeks. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how they manage that. This was originally supposed to be their first UK tour, mini tour, I guess you could say. So it's a bummer that uh, that we won't be getting that. But I'm sure when everything calms down and everything goes back to normal in life, they will be making their way to the UK sooner rather than later. But yeah, um, moving on from that, we have got Colt Cabana versus Chris Jericho. And I was really excited for this match. Uh, I really like Colt Cabana, and obviously Jericho is is Jericho. And it's crazy to think, as long as these two have been wrestling, they've never had a match together that I can think of. Uh, Colt's always been in either Ring of Honor or or the Indies somewhere. I guess Ring of Honor kind of is the Indies. To be he did have a short stint in WWE as Scotty Goldman. That's right, he did. He did. But uh, yeah, never never quite made it to the level of uh, Chris Jericho to actually yeah. have a match with him. They weren't quite on the same level, unfortunately. But yeah, so, now so in AEW... That- Never got that Chris Jericho Scotty Goldman dream match. What a dream match that would have been! Uh, but yeah, this match was actually really good. Um, Jericho comes in with Sammy doing the worst cover of Judas of all time. Uh, 
I don't know how all of the nearby donkeys and goats weren't attracted to Daly's place because Sammy was just doing his best impression of a mating call. It was bad. It was so bad. Uh, it was bad, but also great. I don't know how you can even intentionally do it that bad, but uh, he managed. He's 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 very talented in being bad. But yeah, maybe, maybe match, he'll eventually, maybe he'll eventually learn the words. Yeah, he, he still hasn't got them. Uh, he only hears it every week. He managed to times. not know the words to half the song and be offbeat. Offbeat, like, off key. I mean, not even oh, yeah. nothing was close. Yeah, nothing was close. Uh, but yeah, it was, this match was really good. Uh, my favorite spot in the match, and maybe one of my favorite spots in a long time. Uh, Colt was on the top rope. He's getting set up, and Jericho's like holding his legs in the air. And I'm thinking, that's really dumb. You're just setting him up for the Superman pin. This is really obvious. This is really bad. Jericho, what are you doing? You're too good for this. But no, why did I doubt him? Chris Jericho is the goat. He's trying to lure Colt in for the Superman pin. So he has his legs up in the air. Colt dies for the Superman pin. Jericho lowers his legs and reverses it into the walls of Jericho. And that is one of the best spots I've ever seen on AEW Dynamite. It was so good. It was fantastic play by Jericho. That's just, pretty good. This is this is the kind of thing you get from years and years and years of experience. You know, you have you have guys, you know, that are spot monkeys as they'll call them that, you know, do 450 splashes, 630, whatever. But just little stuff like this is so cool to me that he actually had that idea to treat this like a real match and to have that kind of in-ring awareness. I just really I really go for stuff like that. Um, so yeah, he's got Colt in the walls, uh, but unfortunately Colt was able to make it to the rope for the break. And uh, that doesn't stop Jericho from thinking he's won because he thinks that he tapped. He uh, he lifts his hands in victory. You know, Aubrey's there like, no, no, he 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 got the rope break. You didn't win. And Jericho's like, no, 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 surely. He, he tapped, he tapped, he tapped. And him and Aubrey get into it like they tend to do. Uh, and then Colt tried to roll up Jericho, but that was ineffective. Then Colt tried a springboard onto Jericho. And uh, Jericho managed to get Colt with a Judas effect. And uh, Jericho came up with the win. Yeah, this was a this was a really good match. Had that really unique spot. Uh, I think Colt still looked very strong in this. He's obviously very talented, and I think he's a very good addition to AEW. Way more than I thought he was going to be when he first came in. If I'm being honest, um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see Colt put on a good uh, showing, and glad to see Jericho getting the win. I don't think we've seen Jericho in a one v one match in quite some time. Um, yeah, especially one had, without a title. So, well, we had the the pineapple Pete match, but that was a squash match, and uh, I guess I the Jungle Boy match. That was a long well. time ago. Yeah, but I think yeah, I can't remember like a straight one on one he's had. It's not like a championship match in a while. Yeah, I think this is his first real match in the coronavirus era, other than the pineapple Pete, which yeah, it was a match. It had its own uh, psychology and everything to it, but it was essentially a squash. But yeah, right. afterwards, Jericho cuts a promo on Mike Tyson. And please, God, I don't want this to happen. Please don't let it happen, Tony Khan. Please, please don't. Just don't. I don't want to see a Jericho versus Tony, Mike Tyson. I don't know. No. But Micah, but, it's the match everybody wants to see. It might be the greatest wrestling match of all time. It might be too big for one night. Oh, my gosh. That is That would be such a deb- – it, it would be just like Braun versus that boxer dude that I don't know his name and I don't care about. Tyson. 
Both me and Tyson. Yeah. yeah, Tyson and Tyson. I would rather see Mike Tyson versus Tyson Fury. Let's do that. Let's get that going. <laughs> shoot, they they actually fight. talked about it. Shoot fight. Let's do it. Tyson versus Tyson. And throw Kenny Omega in there. His name's Tyson, too. Let's do it. Uh, well, um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure they would really kill Kenny Omega. I'm pretty sure he would die. Uh, I think Tyson Fury is like a huge dude too, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. He'd jealous. probably he'd probably kill Mike Tyson just for the pure size advantage. Um, anyways, we're not here to speculate about boxing. Uh, towards the end of the promo, when he finally got done uh, trying to build up to a Mike Tyson fight, which I hope doesn't ever happen. I don't think it's going to happen. Please God, don't let it happen. Um, Jericho's calling out. And he says he wants Mike Tyson to come out there and fight him. He's calling out the baddest man on the planet. And he repeats it again. And he said he wants the baddest man on the planet to come out to this ring right now. And guess who comes out? That's right. You hear the best friends music hit. Orange Cassidy is the baddest man on the planet. Confirmed. He comes out. He takes Jericho's hands. He sticks them in his belt. Just showing a force of dominance, being an alpha among alphas. He sticks him in his belt loop, doesn't he? Yeah, he sticks his hands like through between his belt and his pants, like not through the belt loop, but like in between. It looks so awkward. And it was. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Chris Jericho's tights have pockets on them, so he had to improvise. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was good. It was so good. Uh, Hager tries to attack Orange Cassidy, but Orange Cassidy, being the baddest man on the planet, he evades him. Jericho tries to attack Orange Cassidy, but him being the baddest man on the planet, he evades him too. Uh, out comes the best friends to help out Orange Cassidy. And yeah, I guess this is our next program, Best Friends versus Inner Circle. I am all for it. I'm very excited. I, uh, I love Orange Cassidy. I love the best friends. I love Chris Jericho. I mean, what more do you want? It's going to be great. Going to be great. Uh, after that, we have a vignette from Britt Baker. And she's also the best, man. I mean, it's, this was so good. I'm loving Britt Baker. Uh, she's definitely the MVP of the women's division for me right now. Uh, Hikaru Shida is the best worker by far, but the one that's really just adding so much life to the women's division for me is Britt Baker. Uh, I mean, they've only got like five women right now they can work with anyways, so it's not like they can do a whole lot. But yeah, they're in the Jaguars training stadium, and Britt's there in her wheelchair being a role model. It's R-O-L-L model. And they're doing a montage of, I guess, like rehab stuff, uh, like a Rocky-style montage. She's got the battle ropes, but uh, she's just like kind of just barely flicking her wrist, not doing anything. She's like being – she's doing her impression of Orange Cassidy. Uh, she's like trying to push herself up a ramp. Tony Schiavone's there. He's cheering her on. Uh, Doc Sampson's there. And, yeah, this is just a great segment. Go watch it. It's on their YouTube channel. It's hilarious. Britt Baker is awesome. And uh, this leads into our women's match of the night, which is Nyla Rose versus Big Swole. I'm not going to talk about this match too much. Um, it was a super eventful. Swole managed to reverse the Beast Bomb into surprise roll-up. But surprisingly, it wasn't super effective. This isn't WWE. Nyla was actually able to kick out. Uh, but that didn't last very long because Nyla won after a Spinebuster Slam combination. Uh, Nyla came out looking very strong. Uh, wasn't, Swole's, uh, wasn't Brit, didn't she come back at ringside or something during the She is, yeah. Uh, Brit is at ringside. She's in her wheelchair on the back of a UTV or golf cart, some would call it. And, uh, yeah, after the match, her and Swole, like, get into, like, a verbal spat. 
and she's hollering at Rebel, who's driving the UTV, and she says to back it up to ringside. And I guess she's trying to run Swole over, like through the barricade. She it. <laughs> That's what she looked. It looked like, man. I mean, somebody needs to teach this girl how to drive. Um, doing her Matt Hardy impression. Impression. Yeah, she's trying to run Swole over, but Swole like lunges at Britt Baker with a steel chair, and then Britt's like, "No, no, no! Stop! Stop! Rebel, go forward! Go forward!" And so Rebel gets her out of there. And uh, yeah, I guess this is building up for possibly Fighter Fest, Swole versus Britt Baker. If Baker manages to return, that would be uh, that'd be pretty good. Also worth mentioning, uh, Swole is cosplaying as the Yellow Ranger from the Power Rangers. Pretty cool. Yep. Uh, pretty cool little little gear also, there she's got. I'm, I'm glad uh, Britt Baker's chair was strapped down to the back of that thing because yeah, she, she would have rolled right on out. She would have been a real role model. She would have gone flying. Yeah, yeah just the brakes on the thing were not going to work. No, definitely not. Uh, but yeah, it was really cool seeing her there on her like chariot of uh, of wheels. It needs to be her means of transportation until she comes back. She not, should, just, not just the wheelchair, but with the accompanying. When she comes back, she should come out on the back of the UTV in the wheelchair and then like jump off of it. That'd be great. Be like a kind of like a Cody entrance. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a Cody interest, but it's okay because it's not Cody. So uh, that's my my gauge of that. But yeah, after this match in this little segment, uh, you have Tony Schiavone. He's interviewing Darby, and this this little segment was kind of it was just meh. It was just meh to me. Uh, Tony is asking Darby how he feels after getting injured by Brian Cage at Double or Nothing. This is a shoot injury. Darby is not cleared to wrestle. But uh, I don't know if you follow Darby on social media. He is clear to skate with Tony Hawk because uh, Darby was skating with Tony Hawk this previous week. And not only nice. that, he jumped off the balcony of his hotel into the pool because Darby is an insane person. It's huh. crazy. But yeah, I, I, am, I am all for Darby Allen being a playable character in the Tony Hawk's uh, pro skater. Maybe if they do another underground remake or something, that would be great. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm with, I would love that. But yeah, back to the segment. Darby Allen is says that he says something along the lines of "Life is a big joke, but it's okay because he'll have the last laugh." It was just a super corny line to me. Uh, that's all he said. That was the that was the gist of the whole interview. It's just it wasn't good. It didn't land for me. So maybe we'll he'll uh, he'll bounce back from that. It just kind of seemed very comic book. I don't know. Maybe yeah, even he, like a Joker line or something. Maybe he's going for Sting as the Joker. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's good for him to get some mic work, but I agree. Uh, he was, at least to this point, he was better just doing like the video packages before his matches and stuff like that yeah. and kind of being the silent uh, type character. But uh, I mean, I guess he's got to work on it eventually. It's, you know, so maybe he'll get there. Yeah. We'll see. He'll get there. He's very young, and he doesn't have a whole lot of experience on the mic from everything I've seen. Yeah, but Darby uh, Allen should not be a catchphrase guy. Yeah, he doesn't need catchphrases. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think anybody really needs catchphrases. Some people can pull You're it off. You're gonna get these wheels. <laughs> that could be Britt Baker's. Yeah. Uh, anyways, after that, we have an interview he's again. A skateboarder. Oh, because he's a skateboarder. I got gotcha. you. I got you. I didn't, I didn't put it together. I didn't put it together. I don't blame uh, that, that I don't think I don't think he would put it together either. Uh, after that, we have an interview with FTR by Tony Schiavone. And I think this is a real proper introduction for the tag team. 
I enjoyed it much better than their Cody impression last week, uh, coming in with their truck to ringside. They didn't bash any barricades, though. No barricades were harmed. Uh, they did mention they're very excited to be in AEW with some of the best tag teams in the world. And they mentioned Private Party, uh, Jurassic Express, Proud and Powerful, even mentioned Kenny and Hangman. But they did mention that they're not really a tag team, so that doesn't count. And first of all, ouch, guys, ouch, because Kenny and Hangman are more of a tag team than you will ever be. So you got to get their names out of your mouth, FTR. Uh, Whoa. Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Riley actually was getting a little bit heated at them because they were calling out the Young Bucks here uh, next. Yeah, they mentioned the Young Bucks. And uh, <coughs> I'm sorry, they, they didn't. Brought it up and said, yeah, like, they, they yeah, didn't uh, mention the Young Bucks. Yeah, they didn't mention the Young Bucks, and then Tony brought it up. And they basically said they don't care at all about the Young Bucks, and they aren't interested in the match with the Young Bucks. They don't care about the match of the century. They don't care about what Dave Meltzer says. Everyone keeps going on and on about it, but if they meet the Young Bucks in the ring, they're just going to knock them out with one punch and leave. So, yeah, uh, FTR is getting a lot of heat with my wife. She's a very big Young Bucks fan. And they're getting some heat with me because Kenny and Hangman are what I'm all about. So, yeah, FTR getting some heel heat here from from the Wrestle Life family here. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking they're going to do a long build where they, they could possibly be the ones to take the belts off Omega and Hangman. And then I think they're going to wrestle every tag team in AEW and not wrestle the Young Bucks until basically they have to wrestle the Young Bucks. And that's going to be the big blow off match because that's going to be pretty far down the road. Yeah. And we really need to wait and have this match when the fans can enjoy it. That, that has to be a fan match. I, I, I like how they are telling in the story how they're putting it off. Because I think if fans were a thing, we would have this match probably pretty quickly um, at the next pay-per-view, more than likely. Uh, I, I like the idea of of FTR taking it off of Kenny and, and Hangman. That would be a really good rub for them. Uh, sorry, coming in. Uh, but... I don't know. On the other hand, there's a lot of good tag teams that have been here for a while that I think deserve the belt. Uh, you could you could say that the best friends could be taking it off of them uh, here soon. I don't see it happening. I wouldn't be 100% against it. There should be some sort of shenanigan, and, and maybe it'll cause a rift again between Hangman and Kenny. Uh, honestly, I'm just enjoying Hangman and Kenny being friends and being a good tag team, so I don't 100% want that to happen. Uh, honestly, I think the next tag champs should be proud and powerful. Uh, Inner Circle been taking a lot of crap from the Elite, and I think that would be a good way to get some gold back to the Inner Circle and make them seem dominant again. Uh, that would be the way I would book it, and then I would have FTR take it off of proud and powerful. But I am not here to book things. I'm only here to review them. So if you if you wish to contact me, Tony Khan, uh, just send a, re- a message to Wrestle Life Radio. I'll be getting one of my people to get with your people. And we'll, we'll get all this hammered out. But yeah, this was a good interview. Uh, overall, it was pretty good. Uh, but as we're finishing the interview, the Paradise Island twins, the Butcher and the Blade, come in. And I don't know. I just don't know what's going on with them. I wish AEW would do a good job of explaining it. Because last time we saw them, uh, well, last time we saw them actually do anything, they were in a butcher shop uh, putting out hits on people. And now they're in Miami Vice. And Allie's over there flirting with QT Marshall. And she's not the bunny anymore. And I don't know. That's just how AEW does things sometimes. And that's one of my big complaints. I want to but say yeah. I heard something happened on Dark with Allie. 
it didn't though. Like, cause I watched Dark Two. It did. Like, so QT and uh, Destin were out there during a match, and Allie is just in the stands as Allie. No explanation. She's there as Allie, and she's got this low cut dress on, and she's just seductively eating an apple. And then QT is like all distracted and blah blah blah. And then ever since then, she's been with him at ringside, and they're doing this thing with the natural nightmares. And I'm sure it's building up with a, to a feud with the butcher and the blade. And then eventually she's going to reveal that, Oh, she was just doing this to distract him. So the butcher and the blade could get a one up on them. But it's just weird. They should have like, why isn't Dustin questioning why she's not the bunny anymore? She was just with these guys over there. The, the mask is not that good of a disguise. She's the same person. We can why see that. She, why is she eating an apple and not a carrot? It's true. She's the bunny. I don't know. It's, it's one of the things that AEW does. They just don't explain everything super well and expect us to put the pieces together, but the pieces aren't even there. It's not like it's even there on BTE or anything. I don't know. It's it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's something to complain about. Sure. But it does set up next week for FTR versus The Butcher and The Blade for their debut match. So everybody is looking forward to that because uh, obviously FTR is a big, big name in tag team wrestling, and this will be their deb- debut, and they're going to win. Spoiler alert, Butcher and Blade are not going to beat them. So, get that to look forward to. Uh, after that, we have Colt Cabana getting interviewed by Alex Marvez. He's talking about his loss, and how even though he lost, he hopes he can uh, affirm that he does belong here in AEW. And we're with you, Colt. We, we believe you're supposed to be here. But, uh, as he's talking about his loss, out comes Brody Lee and the Dark Order recruiter. Uh, Brody says it's not about losing, but how you bounce back, and says that he and the Dark Order can really help Colt Cabana. And we leave this segment with Colt Cabana kind of scratching his head and seeming like he's thinking about it. So I, I do hope we get back to the Dark Order recruiting people, that storyline of the Dark Order, and get away from the Vince McMahon Brody Lee thing. And I also hope that Brody Lee's loss to John Moxley kind of softens all his edges. Um, because I didn't like, I mean, it didn't make sense for people to actually want to join the Dark Order if the leader is going to be this militant, just jerkwad. I don't, I didn't like that. Uh, it seemed here they're trying to maybe soften him up a little bit. And I think that's what they should do uh, if you're trying to get people to actually join the Dark Order, which is what I think the Dark Order should be all about, personally. Right. But yeah. I don't think Colt Cabana's going to join, but I'm just glad we get to see this storyline on TV again. And I think before too long, we should see somebody joining. Uh, actually, now that I think about it, AEW Dark this week, Alan Angels is there as five, I believe. Uh, another Dark Order recruit. But they didn't put it on TV or in the story or anything. It's just that guy dressed up as that guy. I don't even know if he's supposed to be Alan Angels or if he's just playing five, who was not Alan Angels before, but just some random guy before. I don't know. That's how AEW does things. Just put the pieces together. Anyways, we're on to our main event of the evening. The first defense for the TNT Championship. And that is Jungle Boy versus Cody. And uh, yeah, this is overall a a good match. Um, Cody comes out. He's focusing on Jungle Boy's legs because he's a heel. And uh, Jungle Boy just keeps getting the better of Cody. Uh, And so... Cody, he gets a little mad. He picks Jungle Boy up, and he chucks him over the ropes, over the barricade, because Cody is a heel. 
uh, Cody is still being very aggressive. He goes outside the ring and he tries to attack Jungle Boy with his head. Because not only is he a heel, he's a dumb heel. He misses. He headbunts, headbunts, he headbutts the entrance way like he's Braun Strowman attacking a ring post. <laughs> and guess what? You can't be a Rhodes on a match without bleeding. Cody blades, and he's just bleeding profusely from his forehead. It sounds like his first wrestling name, Cody Blades. Cody Blades. That should have been. That should be his name. <laughs> it and and Jungle Boy sees the weakness in Cody now. He starts focusing on the forehead because he's smart. He's not a heel. He's smart. And I I gotta say this whole match, especially at this point. It seems more aggressive on both sides than MJF versus Jungle Boy did. Which you would not think would be the case because this is a so-called face versus face match. Spoiler alert, it's not because Cody's a heel. And, and the, even at one point, Cody teases whipping Jungle Boy with his weight belt. Because I don't know if you know this, but Cody is a heel. Anyways, this is Cody's, this is Cody's first defense on the TNT title. And it's against Jungle Boy. And already, he's just getting out of hand. He's getting completely out of hand. At one point, they both ended up on the top rope. And they both fell off through the announce table. And all I gotta say is, ouch. That looked like it hurt. Uh, the finish came about... I also with... couldn't tell who threw who through the table. I think they both just kind of like threw each other. Like they both were like struggling... And they just toppled over. That's the way I took it. Uh, I don't think that it was any one person's fault, which would have called for disqualification if it was. So, But this is AEW. They don't do that. Uh, the finish came with Jungle Boy trying to hit Cody with a swinging DDT, but Cody managed to reverse it into a crossroads because I guess that's still his finisher. And yeah, that actually did finish the match. Cody won his first title defense against Jungle Boy with a crossroads. So it's nice to see his finisher actually being a finisher again. Uh, but of course, Cody being Cody, he had his entire crew come out to celebrate his masterful defeat of the giant Jungle Boy. Uh, you had Pyro that would make a July 4 celebration look like, I don't know, an M80. It was... There was so much pyro. You had all these people coming out. It was this big thing. You would have thought it was WrestleMania, and he just won the WWE title. I don't know. It was. I get they're trying to elevate the belt, and it's the first defense, but it's Cody, and it's overdone. I feel like we've seen this before. It's he's just he's just too much. He's too much sometimes. Uh, he's too much all the time. If we're being honest. <laughs> well, if I'm being honest. Mike, you might be a little upset with me. Because. I think this was the best thing that I saw in wrestling this week and last week. I love this match. So I'm going to give this the brass ring of the week. All right. Get out. Get out. The door is that way. Yep. The door is that way. Great. Long applause break. But uh, no, so what I liked about this match was uh, Cody, I mean, he, he can't be over the top sometimes. And, you know, there were some 
you know, some people who, including myself, who wasn't sure if he should have won the title, uh, if he should have given it to someone like Lance Archer and, you know, let him come in strong. But I think Lance, Lance Archer is going to be okay. And, you know, it did have a hint of Triple H in there with Cody. But honestly, Cody is the star of the company right now. I think he's, you know, this to me is what the benefit is of him holding the belt because Jungle Boy, a lot of people don't know who he is still. Uh, I think people who are AEW fans know him and they, you know, enjoy uh, his work and seeing him, but he's still kind of not been in the spotlight yet. This match put the spotlight on him more so than it did with his match with MJF, I think. And I thought he held his own well. And even in losing this match, I thought he came off well. And it's it's hard to get somebody in wrestling to lose and still come out winning. And I thought they accomplished that. And then after the match, I mean, I know you think Cody's a heel, but th- they had both their crews come out. It, it wasn't just Cody's normal crew. It was Jurassic Express along. With- I don't need you to take your spin on this, Kyle. I'm producing the facts here, all right? Uh, fake, news. fake news. Fake news. <laughs> but uh, they, everybody came out. They all had a celebration together. And I, I thought Jungle Boy really – I mean, Cody's great. I think Cody's great. Um, and, I mean, hey, I've complained about his blurring the lines of a heel character from time to time, even though, he, to me, he has been more babyface than he has been in the past. But still, Jungle Boy, to me, was the star of this match. I thought he did great. He looked great. Uh, I was just really impressed with it. So, uh, yeah, specifically Jungle Boy, but this match in general too, you're getting the brass ring of the week. Because so I thought it was great. I liked it. And that brings me. It's definitely not going to be endeavors. anything on WWE t- TV. So <laughs> that brings so me to my future stuff. endeavors of the week, and that is Kyle Pauly from this podcast. Uh, good luck on your future endeavors. No, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. It's not going to beat what my real uh, future endeavor is at this point. <laughs> My God, yeah, there was a lot of candidates too, but Jesus. I, I will say, like overall, the match was good. It was a good match. Uh, it does bother me. I, I, I obviously am playing it up a little bit for the podcast. It does bother me how overdone everything Cody does is. Uh, it, it's, it's all overdone. Uh, I, I was expecting this match to be a more of a MJF versus Jungle Boy, and and this match didn't deliver like that match did. That's one of the best matches I've seen from AEW as far as an old-school type goes, especially. And Cody being such an old-school type wrestler, I expected a match like that. But it, it, it wasn't overbooked. The match itself wasn't overbooked. He had the blade job, which, fine. I guess he's just trying to look like New Jack by the time he's 40. I don't know. Or Dusty. Uh, or Dusty, yeah. I, the, it's, it's, I don't know. I, it, when I came in AEW, I'm like, hey, I really like seeing blood and wrestling. I'm glad to see that back. But at this point, it's just like, does it always have to be Cody? I mean, it's always Cody. It's always it's, it's always a Rhodes, it appears. And, and, and most of the time, it's not by a blade job. Most of Cody's have been accidental, I would say. Yeah, I don't but think yeah. he smash his head on the mat or the stage at one time. No, definitely not. Nobody <laughs> would choose to do that. Uh, maybe Darby Allen would, but no, no normal human would choose to do that. Uh, I, I think it's worth mentioning the show did end with Jungle Boy and Cody kind of hugging it out, and that just seemed weird to me with how aggressive the tone of the match was. Um, but you know, hard fought match, whatever. I guess it's all water under the bridge now until Cody eventually turns fully into a heel and reveals his true self. And uh, you all will agree with me and MJF that Cody is a heel. 
But yeah, overall the match was was actually good. Just just Cody's a bit overdone sometimes, but that's to be expected. But to bring us to the overall rating for AEW, I thought this week was pretty good. Um, I don't think it's one of the best shows they've had. I think it's it was a good show though. Uh, overall, I'd probably give it a B plus. Give it a B plus. Uh, it's it's better than some shows we've gotten recently. Uh, not up there with that role they were on. I think in February it was when they were just maybe March. They were just really just nailing the shows a plus after a plus. It seemed like, um, but you had some really good segments this week, some really good matches. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm gonna give it a B plus, and I guess we will move on to the WWE portion of the night. Oh lord, <laughs> let's get those future endeavors ready. Surprisingly, well. It kind of happened on SmackDown, but I'm going to save it for our Raw review this week because, uh, yeah. But there, hey, there were candidates on SmackDown for sure, and we're going to start with one of them. Uh, Jeff Hardy opened the show. Uh, he's in the back speaking with a bunch of guys. They recap the hit and run angle from last week, um, and we found out that uh, Elias actually has a legit injury, so he's going to be out for a while uh, selling this hit and run, but... Uh, Jeff Hardy makes his way to the ring. Michael Cole gives an update on, on Elias, but Hardy gets in. Thanks WWE and Fox for giving him the time to speak. He discussed the entire situation, what happened to Elias. Called Elias a, a good guy. And I was like, I mean, is he though? I mean, is he though? Uh, no, he's not a... <laughs> no, he's not. He, he's he's put on like you, father of uh, the year. And, he's and, a... Uh, He's a good guy like a mosquito is a good guy. Like he, but seriously, like as a baby face, he's really just his heel gimmick as a baby face. So he's, he's his heel gimmick, but he's getting air quotes cheered. I don't know. Yeah. He's, he's still not that great guy. Anyway, uh, Hardy kind of gave his version of the events that happened saying that he arrived at the performance center. He got out of his car when some, suddenly something just walloped him in the back of the head. He was classic Jeff Hardy here and just being like, very exaggerating and like in his expression, which was kind of hilarious, but whatever he got hit in the back of the head. He blacked out. The next thing he knew he was being handcuffed. He smelled like al- alcohol. He, he questioned like, you know, how his wife, his daughters were f- going to feel. Um, he noted that he passed every sobriety test he took at the police station. And then a witness showed up some random witness who wasn't at the scene for some reason. And just like, hid from the police when they showed there. I don't know what's going on. Uh, but this witness showed up at the police station and revealed that the person that was, that performed this hit and run had a red hair and a, had red hair and red beard. So he says, red beard, the pirate. He's Jeff Hardy says, we all know who know that, you know, who that describes. And I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess, but a little bit of a, you know, accusation. You don't know who this redhead person is. So he says, Seamus, come on out. Seamus comes out. Uh, Seamus plays innocent, says Hardy's just in denial that he can't accept responsibility for his actions. Demanded Hardy be a man, admit his his wrongs. And uh, he said, Hardy's not a man. He's just a junkie. And um, he said, Hardy doesn't have to worry about letting his wife and his daughter down because they're used to it. Hardy could take no more. He decides to get out of the ring. And this is when this segment went south for me. Because he gets out, he's going to go up and fight for his wife and his daughter. He dodges a bro kick from Seamus, starts attacking Seamus, when suddenly Seamus says, nope. 
and beats the crap out of him, throws him in the barricade, throws him all around ringside, and just leaves the dude laying. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I know he didn't have a great win over Sheamus, like match-wise. Like, he kind of took punishment or whatever and really just was lucky to escape the beating. But you can't give the guy, like, I mean, the guy's fighting for his wife and his daughter. Like, you can't give Sheamus, like, some out as a heel. Sheamus just beat the crap out of him. So Jeff Hardy looks like an idiot here, like a geek. He comes off like a guy who can't fight. Like, he just got destroyed by Sheamus, basically. Uh, just flat out. So, to me... This did not do any favors for Jeff Hardy, but oh well. So, yeah, it was okay as a segment basically until the end, which is actually a theme that's going to be happening on this show. So after this, we had Mandy and Otis in the back uh, walking after their segment from last week. They pass a chair to see King Corbin's crown and his, uh, his robe on this chair that's just sitting there. So Otis ganders upon it. He t- picks up the crown. He puts it on. Mandy was impressed. And they walk off. Uh, and then we get Corbin walking up. Notice, noticing his crown is gone. He gets furious. He asks a guy like who took it. And one guy says Otis. And he's like, so he didn't stop him. So he gets mad. Um, and then, I guess, you know, for some reason, we have Otis versus King Corbin. Uh, luckily, they're having a match together. And they had this little run in, I guess, before the match. But So Otis comes out with Mandy and the crown. And the briefcase. Uh, Corbin comes out without his crown and he's aggravated. But I got to say, it's really Corbin's fault. I mean, has the dude ever not been seen wearing the crown and the, the thing? Like, why would you just randomly now set it on some chair like for everybody to see? Some, somebody's obviously going to take it. I mean, if somebody could take Chris Jericho's AEW title out of his limo, somebody's going to take your crown, dude. So you're kind of to blame here yourself. But anyway, they get in the ring. And uh, Otis really starts in control early, even though Corbin goes after him because uh, he's pissed off. But Otis takes it to him, gets the early advantage, close on, close lines on the outside. He goes to you know attack Corbin, but Corbin pushes him into the apron and throws him into the turnbuckle. Um, so at least Otis didn't go running you know face first into it. And Corbin really kept the offense here. And I mean it wasn't a great match, you know by any means, but uh, basically. Otis, you know, got the, he was getting kicked in the gut. He started firing up later on. It was funny though, like Corbin kept doing body blows and kicks throughout the entire match that were, you know, normally Otis gets fired up from the belly kicks or the belly strikes. But here it was actually hurting him. And you could argue, well, Corbin's a, you know, golden glove boxer. They were pointing that out. But uh, I guess, you know, the strikes now were, you know, strong enough to do it. Sure, whatever. But then, like late in the match, after all these strikes that were hurting him, now it's firing firing him up. So, whatever. Also, Otis was blown up. He was like barely moving at this point. Uh, I mean, I like Otis, but dudes, I mean, he, you got to work on your cardio or something. He was literally standing in the middle of the ring, and Corbin was running around him, really outworking him. Does and Otis o- look like a man that does cardio training? But, I mean... He's he's got to do something. I mean, you Undertaker, can't have a body like Otis and expect cardio training. You don't get looking like that overnight, Kyle. You have to have some. You have to have some self control so that every time you think, "Should I do cardio?" No, I shouldn't do cardio because I want a body like Otis. He can lose That's a little around work. the middle. That's 
hard work, Kyle. Don't doubt my man Otis. Is there stakes and weights, I guess, but stakes and weights. He's all about the strength training. Yeah. Well, anyway, it didn't do many favors here because he was unmoving in the center of the ring. Corbin was basically running into him and Otis would like stick out his arm. And miraculously, he was able to do the Caterpillar. Um, oh, actually, sorry. He was going to go for the Caterpillar, but Corbin got out of the ring. He grabbed his crown and then he grabbed a chair and attacked Otis. Uh, and so he got the disqualification. Horrible finish. Or- Otis gets in the I almost said Otis. <laughs> Otis gets in the ring and uh, he starts absorbing the chair shots and makes another comeback. Uh, then that's when he hits the Caterpillar. He actually gets two rolls in there before he jumps up and hits the elbow. He's actually able to jump up and do it. So at least he was able to do that much. So Otis still stood tall here at the end of this, but uh, I'm assuming this is not the last we'll see of this feud. Uh, but yeah, Otis at least be able to get through the match. Uh, I mean, Hey, the undertaker back in the day was not known for like his fast movement through the entire match. He was actually quite boring through some of the match, but Hey, what he would do, he would go slow until he needed to. And then he would have the burst of energy to make you go, wow, I didn't know the guy could move like that. And then he'd take it back down to zero miles an hour. So maybe that's something Otis should look into. Maybe it was because Corbin was doing all the running in this match. I don't know. But anyway, then we had Miz and Morrison, and this is going to become a theme of the night. They're in a van outside, which is not the best look, but they got all the spy gear. They're talking about how they could hear everything. They're waiting for the arrival of Braun Strowman, who does eventually pull up. And uh, Micah, you're the car guy here, but uh, apparently this is like a classic car. Did you see his car? I did not see the car. I can Google it real quick. It's, I mean, it is a classic car, but like, it's... It's like a 80s car, like an 80s or 90s car. It's not like a 60s car that's like, you know, got the nice curve shape to it or whatever. Like to me, like he got out of the car and the door still was like squeaking like an old car. And I was like, okay, like it is a person who's not, it's not like a car person. This is like a hunk of junk to me. It looks to be what they're trying to pass off as a Buick Grand National, I would assume which is a very sought-after car, very rare car. Uh, honestly, in my opinion, a very ugly car. Yeah. Uh, but it was, it's a very unique car for its day. And I mean, uh, someone would, someone listen, would definitely it, have a lot of uh, sentimental value attached to that. I think it's just it, a Monte Carlo of that year, though. So it's just like a, it's a dime a dozen kind of car. So It had a nice paint job. So, I mean, it looks nice. It, it looked like he res- is restoring this car, but it still looked like a crappy car. And like I said, he got out and the door like squeaked. I mean, I guess it's, he's also like huge. Yeah, he's huge. So, <laughs> so that might have something to do with it. But he, he you know, like he gets out of uh, this car. Uh, just didn't like a championship car, I guess. But he gets out and his, he's wearing his giant khaki pants. He's rolling up to the building. Uh, there's a guy waiting outside. He goes inside. Uh, we actually got a commercial break, but they come back and they just resume the segment. He's going in to put a water bottle into his protein shake, I guess. Uh, Ms. and Morrison are like waiting to see what happens. I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but he goes to put the water bottle, like pour the water into the thing when all of a sudden the shake like explodes and fizzes everywhere. Ms. and Morrison, you know, laugh like crazy. You know, I guess they gimmick this bottle. Uh, it's Strowman, like a normal human who would just be like, what in the world happened? This is strange. He's immediately like angry and frustrated. And I'm just like, why? 
there's no reason to believe anybody tampered with this thing. Like he just assumed something went wrong. So he's just like furious about something. So uh, after this, uh, it, yeah, it's, it was a weird segment anyway, but after this, we had Kayla in the back interviewing Shorty G when Mojo Raleigh comes up and mocks him for, you know, with a bunch of short jokes, it's really getting old. I hate this. And, uh, Shorty G just kind of laughs it off, but then Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro behind him, they are start beating him up. And that's when the new day come in and they make the save. So, uh, more on this to come later. Lacey Evans and makes her way down the ring when all of a sudden Sonya comes up behind her and just like annihilates her. This was a good attack from behind. <laughs> like she shoved her and she went flying into the steps. Like it looked really good and they had a good match last week. So I'm, I'm expecting the same thing. Um, uh, but it wasn't a bad match. It was very basic. Definitely not as good as their match last week, but Hey, it was still pretty good. So, uh, basically Sonya is just like taking it to Lacey like just destroying her. She's uh, just like hitting her with hard kicks, like like legit leg kicks. She takes her on the outside and like puts her on the steps and stands on her at one point. And like the announcers are just selling that like, like we've never seen the side of Sonya before. Like she's just like going, you know, like this is just like sadistic almost. And Corey actually even sells like, well, that's the whole point. Like Mandy has been the focus of this group the entire time where Sonya is out here to prove I'm the real fighter. I'm the real one you should be paying attention to. I actually like the story that they have going. They're really selling it. And I'm like, okay, she needs to go in. And uh, I mean, Lacey starts making a comeback. And then Sonya takes back over. And I'm like, this is great. She just needs to finish her off here, get the win, and come off like sadistic. I don't think anybody's going to think less of Evans for taking a loss here. But that's not what happens. She's taking it to, uh, to Lacey here when all of a sudden Mandy, who I thought was done with this whole thing, I mean, she was with Otis earlier, made no mention of Sonya. She just pops up like the heel on the, uh, you know, the thing. I know Sonya did it first, but, you know, it's still dastardly. She's sitting here saying, Lacey or uh, Sonya, you're just mad because, you know, you're not the fighter or whatever. Like, just, I'm like, she is the fighter. She's beating up Lacey at this moment in time. So she's just mocking DeVille, calling her a failure, just coming off like a sore loser when, you know, Sonya just gets understandably mad, calls her a Barbie doll, when suddenly Evans rocks her with her, the women's right, pins are clean, and I was like, why? Why? Like, why does Sonya have to lose here? She was actually looking good. It was a good story. Why did Lacey have to pick up the win here? Like, she's not, like, on some kind of hot streak to where she's got to deal. Like, she's proven that she can go toe-to-toe with Sonya when she's not, like, sadistic. I mean, she, they had a thing last week, but man, and then Mandy's got to come on and be the heel. I just hated the ending of this. Uh, I didn't see why Sonya had to lose. And then she just dragged back into this feud with Mandy, which I thought was just over with. I mean, Hey, last week, Mandy and Otis were just chilling by the pool. Like why does she even have to associate with Sonya again? I was thinking about making this the future endeavor because I was so mad with it, but I mean, Hey, something worse is coming. So I was not happy with this. Fine match, but horrible ending. And I guess we're going to have more Sonya and Mandy going forward. I thought we had a convincing win with Sonya beating up Mandy. And I mean, she beat her like three times in a row. Come on. Right now, Mandy's looking like a sore loser. Yeah, sore loser. So I'm just done with it. But we also got a, basically after this, we got an announcement that Shorty G and New Day were going to take on Cesare, Shinsuke, and Mojo later tonight. And we also got a Matt Riddle video package. So I'm looking forward to Matt Riddle on SmackDown. 
crossing my fingers that they don't screw it up. Uh, but then after this, we got another segment. It's basically like a home alone segment throughout the show with the uh, zany Miz and Morrison going up against Braun Strowman in the back. He's got an interview with Kayla and uh, Miz and Morrison are watching from the van. Uh, Strowman's just cutting his normal interview when all of a sudden they hit a button from the van and green slime comes from the ceiling and doesn't pour on Braun Strowman, but pours all over poor Kayla Braxton. And, they're, you know, Miz and Morrison are, you know, they're not happy. They're not laughing. They're kind of upset. And they're like, oh, I thought you put it in to the left. And Morrison's like, I thought you said stage left. And so they're kind of bickering. I will say Morrison is awesome in these segments, but overall I was just not a fan. So Strowman, he, he apologizes to Kayla. She calls him. She basically gets mad. She goes, those bastards. And also Strowman is like, I know it's Miz and Morrison. They messed with my protein shake earlier. And I'm like, how do you know? Nothing really has led to like any accusation of they would be behind this, but whatever. I guess he just knows. Uh, maybe he's talking to Excalibur or something and he knows everything, but uh, yeah. So Kayla goes off. She's, she's mad. Um, so Strowman, that makes him mad. So now he's going to go find Ms. Morrison, uh, but he got a little bit of slime on him. So they were at least happy with it. We then got an in-ring uh, promo. Uh, we have the intercontinental championship belt on a pedestal. Renee Young is out there. She introduces Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Uh, Styles says he knows that Brian's going to call him a coward because he took the bye in the finals, but noted that, uh, you know, he was a smart one for doing it. But Brian does note that I do think you're a coward and you are showing cowardly traits. Uh, but Styles said, hey, I did the smart thing by taking the bye. You were stupid by taking on Sheamus and basically said he was lucky that Jeff Hardy came and got involved or Sheamus would be standing here uh, for this match. Styles also notes that, um, well, actually, Brian, he, he kind of, says that his vision of who is the IC champion is not someone who takes shortcuts, but someone who defends the title every week, who will take on these up-and-coming stars and, you know, saying he, he's not surprised, you know, if some young guy comes up and beats him because that's, you know, what he's there to do. He's there to, you know, fight the young guys, you know, fight the best. And, you know, if he loses, he loses. You know, he's, he's there to, you know, to fight the best. And like I said, he's not afraid to lose the belt to somebody who's coming up and who deserves it. But Styles says, no, I'm not going to give handouts to people, mock somebody like Drew Gulak for, you know, Brian letting him even associate with him and being his coach, because like, what has he done to deserve it? So style or, uh, you know, they're going back and forth and Styles says, you know what? You think I'm a coward, but I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to offer a handout to somebody. I'm going to give a handout, an opportunity to Drew, Drew Gulak to wrestle me here tonight. So, Hey, it's, Brian's happy with that. So he's like, sure, whatever. So Drew Gulak comes out and he's there. So it's Drew Gulak versus AJ Styles. This is a really good match. Uh, good hard hitting match. Had a fast pace to it and had a surprise ending because uh, Gulak, you know, had his, you know, offense in the match. But Styles was, you know, the better wrestler through the extent of the match. Uh, he had, you know, gave up some near falls to Gulak. But in the end, Styles was looking like he was going to pick up the win. But he got cocky. He, uh, you know, hit hit, hit uh, Gulak with an inverted DDT. He taunted, Bear, taunted Brian on the outside, set up for a Styles Clash. You know, was taunting him, just took his time with this. And that's when Gulak reversed the Styles Clash, rolled up Styles, and picked up the win. So Styles did himself in here. 
Uh, I thought this was a good match. I mean, I'm fine with this ending. I mean, it, you could say it's not good that Bryan's is going into his IC title match with a loss. But, I mean, he did it to himself. So, he's the heel. I'll give it a pass. I mean, we kind of had a night full of stuff like this. But I thought here it at least made a little bit of sense. So, I was fine with this. You know, for the show from going so bad to start with the show, you know, the start of the night, it started to uptick a little bit from this point, really. So, we then had... Uh, in the parking lot, another Miz and Morrison segment where they approach Braun's classic car. Uh, Miz takes out a golf club. He says he's going to practice golf swing, bashes the windshield of the car with it, puts the golf club through the windshield. And then Morrison comes over with a baseball bat. He smashes it with the bat. They both laugh and uh, they go to hide in their white van. They tell the guy who's at the door, don't tell him we were here. We're watching you. So they go to hide. Uh, after this, we have, Shorty G and New Day versus Shinsuke, Cesaro, and Mojo Rawley. This was also a really good match. This was a fun, fast-paced match. Uh, Shorty G came out hot, uh, or Cesaro kind of rolled him up, uh, similar to the victory he had with him a couple weeks ago. Uh, so, you know, teased a, a near fall that way. Uh, Cesaro got in the ring, um, or Biggie got in the ring, went up to Cesaro. Uh, Nakamura then got in the ring. Shorty G hit like a moonsault. He started tagging Big E and Kofi. They all started hitting big splashes, frog splashes, like all this crazy stuff. Nakamura kicked out. I wish he would have gotten saved because, like, I mean, this was just like a barrage of splashes. Like, I was kind of not convinced that he was going to be able to kick out, but he did, but whatever. Big E then hit a dive to the outside, wiping out – or no, sorry, Kingston hit a dive on the outside, wiping out Nakamura and Shinsuke. But uh, on the dive, they teased that uh, Kofi Kingston hurt his knee. And so uh, he was kind of favoring it when Mojo hopped on the apron, came and just like leveled Kingston on the outside with a shoulder tackle. So that's how the heels got the advantage here. Also, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause for a second because I forgot to mention earlier on, during the Lacey and Sonya match, they had like this random referee fake an injury. Uh, so I don't know. He like faked an injury and they was just it, switched. Was it a fake injury or a legit injury? I thought it was no, legit. It was fake. No, it was fake. It was a worked injury. What, like, why? We didn't do anything. I have no idea. Like Sonya flipped on his knee and it was like kind of clumsy and didn't look like it hurt that much. And it was a worked injury. And he said, hold on. And another ref came out and took his place. So I haven't actually seen it, but Riley was mentioning it to me. And she was like, do refs ever get injured? And I was like, I don't know that I've ever seen it. She's like, well, I think this ref got injured. I was like, well, did anything happen with it? Like, was it a work? She's like, no, nothing happened. So I just thought it was a shoot. No, but yeah, I don't know why, but they did have an NXT ref that legit broke his leg one time. But I mean, his leg was like twisted to the side and he had to do the throw up the X. But no, like supposedly this was just a worked injury angle for a ref. Like, I guess to show that referees can be switched out randomly. I don't know. But anyway, Kofi also favoring his leg here. Uh, he was also not legit, legit hurt. Um, so the heels started ganging up on him in this tag match, uh, basically. And we went to a break, came back. They're still isolating Kofi, but he was able to make the hot tag to Shorty G. He hits a flying crossbody on on Mojo, uh, gave Cesaro a belly to belly suplex. Just looked great. Hit a huge moonsault on Riley on Raleigh for a near fall. Uh, he applied an ankle lock and like got the Kurt angle, like secured like leg. Uh, he had the ankle lock, but then like locked it in with his leg lock 
Uh, so it looked like he was about to tap when Nakamura came in and hit a running knee. Uh, he was able to hit the hyperdrive, which looked like it was going to be the end, but Shorty G actually kicked out. And uh, Biggie came in, made a blind tag, hit the big ending on Raleigh. And Cesaro and Nakamura were trying to get back in the ring, but Shorty G was able to grab him. So uh, New Day picked up the win here. I got the pin after the the, uh, the uh, midnight hour. And so Shorty G, uh, New Day win here. It, it was a great win. I thought it was a really good match, really fun match. And uh, yeah, I'm glad they let Shorty G get a win here. Looks like they're actually doing something with him. And uh, I will say though, like they're still doing the short jokes thing. They're still doing Shorty G. And I mean, he doesn't look completely ridiculous because I mean, the dude is still jacked. And even though he's wearing the wristband and the basketball shorts, like he still looks legit in the ring. Uh, but it is still dumb that he's Shorty G and he's like standing next to a guy named Big E. And Micah, can you guess how tall Shorty G and Big E are? Uh, if I had to guess, I would say Big E is probably 5'11 and Shorty G is 5'8. You are right on the dot. I don't know if you Googled that. <laughs> no, I, I didn't. That was my, my guess. Yeah, I knew well, he wasn't that tall. Yeah, that is right on the he's, dot. He's, uh, a thick, he's a thick boy. But I mean, hey, Shorty G's pretty jacked too. So he is, yeah. I whatever. So I think it's Randy, Shorty G and Big E, and both of them are under six feet. So I think it's worth mentioning. So Shorty G is an Olympic gold medalist, right? And they Which were they gonna have they said he's an Olympian. Shorty G. They, yeah. <sighs> Shorty Cheek, Chad Gable, is an Olympian. They were going to bring in Kurt Angle to manage Matt Riddle. Why? You have an Olympic gold medalist on your roster. Not only that, my wife, being fairly new to wrestling, we were uh, watching NXT uh, in your house, I believe, and Kurt Angle popped up and uh, to say something. I think that's what it was. Either way, Kurt Angle popped up on our TV. And she doesn't really know who he is. Like she knows he's Kurt Angle, but she isn't really very experienced with him. Right. And uh, she was saying, "Hey, that guy looks like Chad Gable." I was like, "Really?" She was like, "Yeah, he looks like Chad Gable." I was like, "Just so happens to be, they're both Olympic gold medalists." Uh, so obviously, to the untrained or person who's not privy to both people, there's some similarities. They're both gold medalists. Make it happen, WWE. The story writes itself. I mean. What more do you need to elevate Chad Gable but then to drop the stupid Shorty G gimmick, get him some actual gear, and put Kurt Angle in his corner and have him dominate some people? I mean, he's like – hold on. I'm, I'm Real quick. Let's see. How tall is Taz? Taz is one inch taller than Chad Gable. How many people did Taz dominate? Well, in ECW, he was a monster. But uh, in WWE, once again – they uh, said he was too short, and so he teamed with Spike Dudley and stuff for a while. But what I will say, Micah, you're right, absolutely. But what's even worse is Chad Gable, he is an Olympian. He did not win a gold medal, but he is an Olympian. Uh, I, but who did win a gold medal and who was almost a WWE superstar was Henry Cejudo, who was just on AEW uh, two weeks ago. Oh, that's right. He almost went to WWE before joining the UFC because he actually was an Olympic gold medalist. And then he went on to UFC, won two belts in two different divisions, and just retired as the champion and will be one of the greatest, like, bantamweight and flyweights of all time and beat Demetrius Johnson, the undefeated, like, longest title streak 
holder in UFC. So the dude is a legit wrestler and a legit fighter. He almost signed with WWE and they wanted him to have the famed Mighty Mouse gimmick that they actually wanted to give to Adrian Neville. Uh, basically after Cejudo did not end up signing with them. Uh, so that is what they think of guys like Henry Cejudo, Kurt Angle, who was like a milk drinker comedy guy, and Chad Gable, which just baffles me. It, but, it does. It's it's such an odd uh, mindset. That just because they're happen. short. Whereas Henry Cejudo could probably legit kill most of the men on the WWE roster because he's like a bad dude. And I mean, the dude's short, but hey, he's an Olympic they, medalist and he's a legit fighter. Like, Why don't they bring in Henry Cejudo and have a brawl for all again and see how that height really does for him? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> I think I know brawl, how that's going to go. Yeah. There's a reason it was on Dark Side of the Ring uh, with Brawl for All. You know he tried to do it again? Yeah. Off topic completely, he tried to bring it back with NXT. And they were like, everyone was like, no. Do you remember how much of a bad idea that was? He was like, oh, it's good stuff, pal. It's good stuff. Yep. Uh, anyways, didn't mean to derail the topic. Uh, no problem here because it's stupid. But anyway, speaking of stupid, we had after this match... Braun Strowman coming out and discovering his destroyed car. So obviously he freaks out. He goes to not the security guard that they told to be quiet, but the security guard standing next to this guy who they apparently didn't tell to shut up because he says, where are they? And the guy says, they're in that van. (laughs) So they're like, so yeah, the dumb heels are getting caught or whatever. So Strowman goes over, he's shaking the van. He's trying to get it open, but it's locked. So he gets like, he finds the camera that's on the side of it, I guess. He looks in it and says, you're dead men and just like stares at it for a long time and stares at it and stares at it. And then he goes, you're dead men. And I'm like, okay, that's obviously the second take. And they just like repeated it for some stupid reason, but whatever. So he starts flipping this van over. Morrison and men's are freaking out. Uh, he flips it over. They like fall over like they're dead. And he goes, Oh, that's funny. Ha ha ha. And then walks away. So this is the universal champion. Yeah. So this is, this is what it's come down to. Uh, also, I, I want to point out it's dumb. And listen, I love John Morrison. I think he's great. And I think the Miz is good with Morrison, but what is, so Michael, and I'll talk more about this in the main event too, but what I can describe on the show and, and really some stuff that happened on raw too. But what I can say is this show, uh, we've had Rain on here before, and uh, she likes to say on her uh, WWE What If uh, Instagram, she likes to have a segment called, like, describe Raw in one word or something like that. I'm going to describe SmackDown in one word, and I'm going to censor it because I know Matt's going to bleep me if I don't. Uh, It's Bass Ackwards because (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that should have happened that didn't, mainly Sonya losing in her match when she should have won. Uh, AJ Styles, you could argue, probably should have won his match, but I'm fine with it. Whatever. Uh, Mandy on the Titantron or the Jumbotron looking like a heel. Uh, This was a very Home Alone-esque segment. Uh, Could you tell me, Micah, who is the babyface in Home Alone and who are the heels? Uh, The babyface in Home Alone is the actual baby in uh, Macaulay Culkin. I believe his name was Kevin. Yes, and the uh, the, uh, the heels the heel? were the the uh, 
uh, what were their name? Harry and Marv. Was that their names? Yeah. The, the wet bandits. The wet bandits. That's right. Yeah. So they were the bad guys. They were trying to kill this innocent kid. And he was, you know, he was the good guy in the story. Uh, was here, here, who are, and Kevin was the one doing all the pranking here. The bad guys who are supposed to be the bad guys are the ones sliming people and doing the pranks. And the one that is the result of these pranks and his, you know, getting done in by these guys is supposed to be the good guy in Braun Strowman and the one who's getting mad. So do they just watch the wrong movie? I don't know. Like, I mean, listen, I'm not saying I want Braun Strowman to be sliming people, but it's, it's entirely possible that Mix McMahon thought that uh, the wet bandits were the good guys in the movie. (laughs) It's totally possible. (laughs) I can actually see that he's crazy, but yeah, this was, this made no sense. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I like Morrison. Miz is good with Morrison, but it made no sense to get them over as bad guys. And it definitely didn't make sense to get Braun Strowman over as a good guy. Like he just looked like a fool the entire show. Sure. He flipped the van over, but like, then he's like a jerk. Like, I, I don't know. I hated this. I didn't care for it. Still. I almost gave it the, uh, what is it? I forgot the name of my own segment, the uh, future endeavor of the week, but it's still not the worst thing I thought that happened all week. So let's move on. But I just hated it. What I didn't hate, uh, entirely, I guess, was this final match on the show, Bailey and Sasha versus Alexa and Nikki for the women's tag titles. They had a really good main event match, uh, probably the best women's tag match that's been put on so far. Uh, I thought it was a really good match. Um, I thought everybody was good in it. Basically, uh, Bailey and Sasha were, you know, they took advantage over Bliss early. Uh, well, actually, Alexa and Nikki had an event early, but then they took over with uh, work of Nikki. She was able to make the hot tag to Alexa. Um, she actually, she she came out and did her offense, was able to hit um, her flippy knee thing on Bailey. Uh, she actually was going up for a, a twisted bliss, but Banks got up on the apron, tripped her up. Bailey hit a Bailey to belly off of the top rope. She made the tag to Banks, who hit a running knee and only got a near fall. If I had one complaint about the match, it'd probably be that, but whatever. Uh, she kicked out of it. Bliss was able to fight back. She uh, sent Banks face first into the turnbuckle. Nikki hit a tornado DDT off the ape, like from the apron on the outside to Bailey. Bliss hit a sunset powerbomb for a very close near fall. It was very like, I thought it was possibly about to be the finish, but was not. So Banks got up. She tried to make the tag, but Bailey was on the floor. She was able to hit the bank statement. Uh, Nikki Cross had gotten back in the ring at this point. Um, and uh, she had the bank statement on. Uh, she, she Basically, Bailey made a blind tag to Sasha. She put Nikki in the bank statement. Bailey came in. Uh, she threw Banks off, which Banks wasn't happy about. But, I mean, they were all like making blind tags throughout the match, and they were working pretty well. So I don't know why she got mad at this one. Uh, and Banks was, I mean, Bailey was in the right by throwing her out saying, Hey, I'm legal. Let me put the move on her and try to get the win. And Banks was mad for some reason at this point. I don't know why, but whatever. So Banks got back in cause Bailey, uh, got hit by Nikki. Uh, she was, you know, about to be knocked out, but Banks came in and made the save. She dragged Bailey to the corner, tagged herself in, hit the bank statement on cross. Bliss tried to make the save. 
but Bailey cut her off. Uh, Cross actually got out of it, rolled up Banks, but then Banks was able to counter into a crucifix, and they picked it to win, winning the women's tag titles. In the end, I was okay with it because it was a good match, but it still was kind of baffling to me because I was like, okay, so I was just confused because Alexa and Nikki, they even mentioned it. Uh, they are feuding with the Iconics on Raw. They're actually going back and forth you know, with the belts on the show. They're trying to tease dissension between Banks and Bailey, which they kind of did here, but they ended up winning in the end. So I was just like, oh, they're going to uh, just defend these titles for like months now. And we're going to have to, you know, sit through them. Will they, won't they turn on each other for like another six months? But I mean, in hindsight, when I know what's going to happen on Raw, they're teasing a triple or they, they booked a triple threat that's going to happen in Backlash. So in the end, I'm not overly pissed off like I was at the end of the show because it, it just didn't make sense. But I'm okay with it. It was still a really good match. Really the best match on the show, I think. Uh, so uh, it was a good women's tag match. So thumbs up for me. Uh, yeah, but this week, it wasn't the best SmackDown. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, I was just like hating. Was not a fan. It did kind of, you know, redeem itself toward the end because we had a good tag match with Shorty G and New Day versus Shinsuke, Cesaro, and Mojo Raleigh. We had this great uh, final match on the show for the women's tag titles. And AJ and Gulak was a good match. And really, Sonya and Lacey was a pretty good match to the ending. So I can't give it a horrible rating, but there were still several things in the show that didn't make sense. Uh, so for this week, I'm going to give it a C+. Um, so yeah, it was fine. Micah, did you see any of the show? Did you have an opinion on anything? I saw clips of it, but not enough to have an opinion. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't the worst SmackDown in the world, but yeah, just a lot of things on it that were baffling. I mean, it's weird that the title on this, like the main title on the show was really the worst thing on the show because uh, Strowman's just, I don't know That's what to try to do with it. when Strowman is carrying your title. <laughs> it's honestly though, it's not his fault because I don't, I don't know what they're trying to get by booking this, but whatever. So, uh, but yeah, if I had to grade the show, I'd give it a C plus. It was okay. Wasn't the worst show in the world, but it had its faults. Um, and like I said, if I had to describe it in one word, uh, like Rain likes to do, uh, I would say it was Bass Ackwards because, yeah, a lot of weird stuff on it. And uh, we're going to get into SmackDown this week, but first we're going to pay the bills. And also, I'm getting this weird phone call. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to, I think we got a fan call. Don't answer it. Don't answer what? it. Well, hey, we, we've been taking questions and messages on Facebook, and we haven't really addressed them on the show, and we keep telling people to comment. So somebody's calling into the show, so I, I'm going to take their call and see what they have to say before we actually get into the raw. But first, we will take a break and pay some bills, and we'll be right back. And we are back. Uh, we got this. So, yeah, I got this caller that was calling in, so I've got him on hold right now. I want you not to answer all these people asking about your car's extended warranty, man. Listen, we got it. It's we tell this these is, fans to call no in. Better, this is no better than Natalia answering your phone in the middle of an interview. Well, listen, we gotta we gotta answer the fans. Like we okay. we say we save comment, subscribe, or you know to 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 comment and. I'm just saying, you never know who's just gonna call in. You don't want some uh, street youth coming in here. All right, well, we're putting them on. So, uh, caller, what what's your name? Where are you calling from? Hello. Hello, is this is this thing on? This thing, hello, hello, right. hello, guys. I'm out. Hello. I'm out. I'm done. I'm done. Hello, 
Is that is that bad? Is that bad? Really? Hey, Matt. Hi. How you doing? What's uh, up? Oh, not you much. again? Me again? Yes, it's me again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to disappoint, but uh, I I did watch Raw this week, and I was not disappointed in the show. Can you believe it? Can you believe really? that I'm saying that a WWE show was solid? You know what? If I remember right, last week was pretty good too. So hey, see if we can keep it keep it rolling. Well, since you're so happy about it, why don't you just go ahead and talk about SmackDown? Because mm-hmm. I, Rock. I've been holding my yeah yeah sorry, uh, I've been holding in my uh, future endeavor. I mean, there are many candidates on SmackDown, but uh, yeah, I, I was not happy with something that happened on this Raw show. So if you're happy with it, by all means, take it away. So this show, I have to be real nitpicky with, and I'm going to be real nitpicky with, but. Let's let's talk briefly, okay? I've said it before and I'll say it again. I say it all the time. You give me a good show in the ring, between the ropes, I can get over the other random bullcrap. So I know that a lot of times WWE writers throw darts at a dartboard and go, how are we going to finish this match? Or who should wrestle this person on this random showing? And that they do that all the time. And yes, it happened on this show. And yes, we are going to talk about it. But in between the ropes this week, it was real good. It was real good. So we're going to talk about the opener. And it opened with Asuka, because how can you beat it, right? You're going to open the show, bring on Asuka. And she's wrestling Charlotte Flair in the opening match. But no, she's not. Because as after Asuka comes out, Sasha Banks and Bailey come out, and they say they can go wherever they want. Because they're the new tag team champions. Asuka yells at them in Japanese. It was terrific. Then Charlotte comes out and stands next to Asuka. And they're all arguing. And then the Iconics come out. And I'm like, hmm. Seems an awful lot like they're setting up a triple threat tag team match. I guess they're going to do that instead of Asuka versus Charlotte. Because, I mean... All you're missing was Teddy Long. Yeah. Yeah. Tag team match, playa. But really, like, I've been watching WWE long enough that I know what's what's happening. And so that is exactly what happened. Now, one of the, there was one point that I do want to point out. Asuka was yelling at everyone else. And Charlotte just said what she said. And it was great. And I laughed. Charlotte's terrific. So we get the Iconics versus Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Asuka and Charlotte Flair. By the way, it was announced before the match started that the Iconics versus Sasha Banks and Bailey versus Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross were happening this Sunday on Backlash. Now, with that said, you would think that the team of Asuka and Charlotte Flair, who throughout the match couldn't necessarily get along very well. Nope. Nope, not at all. Uh, and who is? they're not friends. They're not a tag team. They're not in the tag team title match this Sunday. Asuka is defending her belt against Nia Jax. So why would Asuka and Charlotte win here? That is what you think, right? Certainly, Asuka and Charlotte is not going to be the winner. So, in between the ropes for 12, 14 minutes, this match was good. Peyton Royce and Sasha Banks even had this this one set of maneuvers that they put together that were just, it was really impressive. It was just really good. They had a double dropkick standoff. Yeah. And at the end, Flair looks at Asuka and says, let me show you how it's done. She goes to the top. She's about to hit the moonsault on Billy Kay, but 
Asuka tags herself in, hits a really, really weird-looking Asuka lock, and Billy Kay taps out. Now, you may wonder, Matt, why are you not ranting about this? And part of it may be because I've yeah, been taking... Yeah, why are you not ranting about this? Well, well part of it may be <laughs> because I have been taking an extended break from WWE. And uh, I watched last Monday's Raw, and I watched this, I watched this past Monday's Raw. And I really think that that's all the WWE I've watched since I told you guys that I wasn't going to watch any. I'm pretty sure, other than NXT in your house, which is really good. Um, so yeah, the ending was dumb, but they gave me 12 minutes of good wrestling. So, fine. Fine. But what makes it worse is they announced during this match that Asuka and Charlotte Flair are still going to wrestle at the end of the night. And they did something else that was stupid that we're going to get to. But they did it again. So that one we're going to rant a little bit on. But right now we're going to give them a pass because they gave us 12 to 14 minutes of good wrestling. Does that sound fair? No, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I said about the same for the SmackDown main event. Like, it, it was a really good match. So, like, I was in hindsight because, uh, honestly, I read the results first before I watched SmackDown. And I was just like, Why? And then I watched the match and I was like, and then also, like you said, they did announce that there was a triple threat match uh, coming. So I was like, okay, like I, I'm, I've lived with it now, but uh, then they, then I watched Raw and I just got angrier and angrier. So yeah, keep going. So after the match, Charlotte attacks Asuka, whoop de freaking do. We go to Rey Mysterio sitting there waiting to be chatted with on Skype. Seth Rollins comes out, makes Byron Saxton move, and he, Samoa Joe, and Tom Phillips are sitting at the announce booth. Samoa Joe is terrific here, just in his facial expressions, because right before he got, I don't want to say right before he got injured, but briefly before he got injured, he was feuding with Seth Rollins, and you could tell that Samoa Joe does not like Seth Rollins, and it just came off with just this little subtle look that he gave him. It was great. I love Samoa Joe. Terrific. He's awesome. And the funny thing is, he's not the best wrestler to be on commentary this year. Because Chris Jericho was one of the best I've ever heard. So, hey, I'm, I'm all for it. Let's put more wrestlers on commentary. It's fine. So we go to commercial. We come back. Rey Mysterio is cutting a promo. He tells Seth Rollins that he's going to come back and says, this, look, let me invite you and your, your, your son, Dominic, to join me on Raw next week. And Ray says, no, 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 man, I'm not that dumb. He calls him some words that I'm not going to say because this is a PG show. And he says that he will be back to avenge what Seth Rollins did to his to him and what he put his family through. As that's happening, Aleister Black shows up out of nowhere and just jumps over the announce booth and slams into Seth Rollins. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. So I haven't watched, I didn't watch Raw, but I've seen this GIF about 18 million times. It's so good. It was it's great. It's posted everywhere. Talk about RKO out of nowhere. This is this is the new thing. Aleister Black just just destroying Seth Rollins just out of nowhere. Yeah. Great. It's it a was, new thing. New thing. It, it was weird, though, because Rey Mysterio did say, I'm not going to wait to the end of the match to 619 you. I'm going to 619 you immediately. Because it's devastating. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you always do that then? If wrestling was real, come on, Ray. Like, you gotta be better than that. I didn't like that at all. But whatever. Again, nitpicky. It was fine. 
So we go to commercial after Aleister Black destroys Seth Rollins. We come back, we get Austin Theory and his little buddy Murphy versus Humberto Carrillo and Aleister Black. Uh, this match was absolutely terrific for the whole two and a half minutes that they showed it. Uh, <laughs> it ended with Aleister Black kicking Buddy Murphy's head off. Buddy Murphy's like up on the top turnbuckle. Aleister Black does this like flying kick and then gets the pin one, two, three. I really wish they would have given this match more time, but it was for what it was, it was fine. The The match was really good. It was just way, way too short. After it's over, though, you hear Rey Mysterio's music. And you're like, oh, is Ray coming out to confront Seth Rollins? Well, little did I know that Seth Rollins, that little bugger, had snuck to the back. And now he's coming out in a Rey Mysterio mask. And because this is WWE, Aleister Black cannot take his eyes off of Seth Rollins. How dare that Seth Rollins wear a mask? Because Aleister Black is booked to look like an idiot, which is unfortunate because he's amazing, uh, Austin Theory and Buddy Murphy attack him from behind because they've already taken care of Humberto because Humberto is a dork. I love him to death. He's a great wrestler, but he's a dork. I mean, that's the way he's been booked since he's come on, come on the main roster. He's a dork. Yep. Uh, they, they destroy uh, Aleister Black. Seth Rollins rips off the mask, comes inside, stomps Aleister Black. And then now, I suppose Rey Mysterio will be back probably next week, and he will... Uh, join Humberto and Aleister Black for a three-on-three match. That is my, that's my guess. Make sense? Sure. So, uh, Charlie Caruso is backstage with Randy Orton. And she's talking to him. And Randy Orton says, hey, do you know, uh, I know the Peep Show's next. How many guests are going to be on that show? And Charlie's like, one, Randy. Edge is going to be on the show. It's Edge and Christian. And Randy's like, are you sure? Are you sure it's just one? And Charlie's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. That's what's booked. Edge is going to be on there. Edge and Christian. Orton's like, mm, I don't know. I I think there might be more than one. And Charlie, who apparently has never watched wrestling in her entire career, says, what What do you mean What do you mean by that, Randy? And he's like, I, just, I think there might be two guests on the peep show and walks away. And she looks bewildered, which is fine. Sure. I just, <laughs> it just didn't make any sense. Made no yeah, sense. Putting the pieces together there. Right. Yeah. Charlie is a genius. <laughs> she's, I just picture it's like after the interview, she goes to the back and she's like, who's the third person? That I'm <laughs> I mean, who could, it, I mean, Gangrel maybe? <laughs> so, so after that, we have the peep show. Christian comes out. Edge comes out. And Christian basically lays an edge. And he says, look, we're best friends. He lays an egg? What? I thought you said he lays an egg. Edge. Christian lays an egg. Yes. Christian <laughs> lays an edge and says, look, we're best friends and I think you're running on fumes. Uh, bluntly, the greatest match ever. Really, bro? Because in your prime, you couldn't do that. Oh. My beautiful wife looks at me and says, why is he being so mean? Which is hilarious. <laughs> and so Edge gets up in Christian's face. Edge is still, or Christian is still berating him. And then he can see it in his eyes. And he says, that's what I wanted to see, Edge. That's what I needed. I needed you to have what I see in you right now. 
And then Randy Orton comes on the screen because it doesn't come out there. So Randy Orton was wrong. There were only there's only one guest on the Peep Show. Randy Orton comes on the screen, not as a guest, and says, "Listen, guys, I'm gonna need you both to shut up." He insults Edge. He insult insults Christian. He says that Edge's redemption is over this Sunday at Backlash. The screen cuts off, and Edge picks up the microphone and says, No, it's not. Drops the mic, heads to the back. Now, there has been one talk show on the show, which in my opinion is one talk show too many. But there's going to be another one. It's coming up soon. So Charlie is now backstage with MVP who is wearing a Shad Gaspard shirt. It's awesome. Uh, I have heard that it's on Pro Wrestling Tees. I don't know if that's true because I haven't checked myself yet, but if it is and you have a little bit of extra cash laying around, please go do that because I do know wherever it can be purchased that uh, the money does go to his family. So, great. Yeah. Uh, he's MVP's putting over the full Nelson. And then, like, R-Truth is, like, making noise. I thought, like, he was, like, climbing out of a case or something. I don't really know. And... He says, MVP, listen, man. I think he called him something else, actually. He said, I just won this title from Rob Gronkowski, which I'm pretty sure he also got the name wrong, but I can't remember what he said. And I said, he says, uh, listen, I, I need you to look out for him. And if anyone asks, you ain't seen me. And then MVP calls R-Truth a clown. And then Bobby Lashley comes up, puts the full, full Nelson on R-Truth, and we go to a commercial. Now, we get back, and we have... A decathlon between the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders. If I remember right, before this, they are two and two. Is that right? I believe so. I believe that is correct. So they have this decathlon segment, which is about seven minutes or so. It's not incredibly long because they went through ten different events. They did a 1,600-meter dash. They did... uh, archery they did flip cup or beer pong i think it's the same thing i don't really know uh they did hurdles which ivar just ran through all the hurdles they did a dance off they did a turkey leg eating contest they did pole vaulting they did a couple more that i'm not remembering either way it ended in five five and i do want to say and i don't know if you guys watched this part of raw this was the most entertaining of these segments that i've seen it was short, it was to the point, they constantly moved to the next thing. It was kind of witty. And again, I hate that they're doing this to the Viking Raiders, but I think I'm just going to have to come to the realization that I have to accept it because that's just who Vince McMahon sees them as. He sees them as two dorky turkey-leg-eating Vikings, and I'm not going to get War Machine, I'm not going to get the War Raiders. Fine. They were funny. The Street Profits were funny. This was actually kind of good. I legitimately enjoyed this, and yeah, I kind of hate did, myself for saying it. I did see the segment. It was it was actually pretty good. I agree. Yeah. Uh, definitely one of the better of these segments. Uh, it was great to see uh, the Street Profits dancing to Shawn Michaels' music. That was pretty funny. Right. I did like that. I mean, and I, I've enjoyed their segments for the most part, uh, but still, I mean, I've I've said all throughout that like I just don't know how this is going to translate to the ring. And or get, I, I didn't see how this was getting either of them over as like, I mean, I guess it gets you over as a face, maybe. It, it's right up Street Profits Alley, but like like you said, Viking Raiders are just kind of cartoon characters now. So 
I don't know if this is going to get them over. Because, I mean, I don't see them being goofy in the ring, so I, I don't know. So it's just a question mark to see. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do with it. So, Okay. Next, we get a triple threat number one contendership match with Angel Garza, Andrade, and Kevin Owens. Apollo Crews comes out, and he's basically talking, saying he's going to wrestle the winner this Sunday at Backlash. He gets interrupted, of course, by Andrade and Angel Garza. They come out with Zelina Vega, and then Kevin Owens immediately attacks them both. Now, you may ask, why is Andrade and Angel Garza, why are they both in this match? Is they our teammates? And the answer is, the writers took a dart, got a dartboard, they threw it, and then three names came up. Actually, what really happened is these are the other three guys that were in the tag team match last week. That's just kind of the way WWE does stuff. Sure. It's exactly it's what they do. So yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the match starts, it's basically a handicap match. They're both attacking Kevin Owens, but I believe right. it's Andrade that goes for a pin first, and Angel Garza pulls him off, and he's like, whoa, man, no pins, no pins. And I'm thinking, what? what's the point? Like, here's here's what you do, okay? And let's say I'm 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 a tag team with one of you guys, right? And then we have an opportunity in a triple threat match to beat up some other guy for a shot at a singles title. Well, before we go out there, we're playing rock, paper, scissors, we're drawing straws, we're gonna play NBA 2K. Something is happening, and we're going to have something that says, you know what, the winner of this will get this title shot, and then we will stay together and we will be stronger for this. And then the next title shot, the other person can get. Because you know what? If Andrade and Angel Garza would have worked together, especially in kayfabe, there's no way Kevin Owens could have beaten them both. Because when they were on it, when they were actually on the same wavelength, which didn't last long, they destroyed him. It was basically a handicap match to get a title shot. Figure it out, guys. In, it out. in fairness, they are dumb heels. They are dumb heels. That's if right. If they're baby faces... I would agree with you, but yeah, they are they are dumb heels, and so they yeah. probably thought, well, of course I'm going to win this match, right. and they just didn't tell the other one, right? And so they got out there and they're like, hey, no, I'm going to win this match, right? And then they go, they they finally start shoving each other, they come to blows, they fall outside the ring, and they're attacking each other, and the whole time in the match, Zelina Vega's like, yes, one wavelength, yeah, you guys, you're a team, work as a team, this is great. And then they start fighting, and she's like, "No, no, 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 no!" And I'm like, "What? What do you? What do you expect here, Zelina? Because somebody's got to win. Why didn't you, as the manager, talk to them before the match started and said, "Okay, this is our game plan"? Because in the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, whatever, a coach goes over or a manager with their team and says, "This is the game plan." And if the team buys in, which they will when you have a good coach or manager, then they will go and they will execute that game plan to the best of their ability. That's not what happened there. What not what happened here? Zelina had no control, and these guys had no idea what was going on. So in kayfabe, this is all Zelina's fault. Yeah, and uh, I mean, you would think that you know if, if the head coach is going to make a call, she'd probably be like, okay. How about we go with my first client, the guy who was the champion last and who needs to get his championship belt back and who Angel Garza was totally fine being the champion when he joined the team on right. Friday. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. I know, I, I know I'm totally undoing my argument that I just made in their defense earlier, but still. Right. So Good point. they're going to blows outside. Zelina Vegas is going, no, no, no. She's trying to grab them and pull them apart. And then Andrade, like, 
Indigarza kind of pushes Andrade, who then kind of elbows her in the face, and she falls to the ground. Zelina, excuse me, Zelina Vega cannot take a shot at all, which is weird because she is also a wrestler. Uh, referees and medical personnel come out during the commercial, check on her. And then it turns to a standard triple threat match, basically. Uh, was this match good? Yeah. You know who's in the match, right? Kevin Owens, Angel Garza, Andrade. What do you expect? This match was good. Did it make sense? Eh. Yeah. To an extent, it made sense because this is what wrestling has been for the past 60 years. You have two bad guys that pretend they're going to be on a team and then they wind up fighting each other. So, yeah. In, a re- in the wrestling world, it made sense, even though in the real world, it didn't. So, it was fine. Uh, the end happened when Kevin Owens stuns Angel Garza. He goes with the pin, but Andrade comes in, drop kicks Kevin Owens, who rolls off of Angel Garza, and then Andrade pins Angel Garza for the 1-2-3. And Andrade will be wrestling Apollo Crews this Sunday at Backlash. I'm sure it'll be a good match. It will be great. Yeah. So, it was... I don't know. We'll talk more about it in a minute, because they're, we're, we're going to commercial here, and they're going to come back and, and talk, so... Um, Sarah Schreiber's backstage with, with Charlotte Flair and Charlotte kind of downplays the NXT title, which was a little lame. And she says she didn't get pinned or submit at takeover. So she didn't really lose the belt. And then, so Oscar just kind of comes in dancing and Charlotte's mad and says, do you ever take anything seriously? And Oscar being an absolute superstar says, yes, slaps her in the face and puts on the best serious face I've ever seen someone put on that has those weird goobly goop things on her eyes. It was, that was awesome. It was so good. And I'm like, why is Asuka, what, just give her all of the titles. Just They're all hers now, as far as I'm concerned. She is the most entertaining thing in this no-fan era, especially in the WWE. I love Asuka. She's terrific. So we go to commercial, we come back. Andrade and Angel Garza are in the back. And they're arguing, and Angel Garza's like, you beat me. And Andrade's like, no, I earned a shot of the title. And Angel Garza says, no, you pinned me. And then Zelina comes in, holding her neck, and they just go silent, like she is their mother. And Andrade's like, are you okay? And then she points off in the distance, and they turn around and walk off like they're sad little boys. And this was funny to me. I liked it. I thought it was great. And it also shows that maybe she is taking a little bit more control. So it was fine. I liked it. Kurt Angle says that Edge is going to beat Orton. It's the same thing we saw the last two weeks with Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. Fine. Fine. Oh, I forgot to mention. Okay. Which I, we've talked a lot about this segment so far, but I, I just kept forgetting to bring it up. Uh, so they showed a commercial on SmackDown for this match. And so they, they've already filmed this match. And from what I've heard, it's a good match. Um, I don't know if it's the greatest match of all time. Like they're saying it is the greatest wrestling match ever. But what was hilarious was on SmackDown, they showed a video hyping this up. And after, I mean, obviously I've said before edge won the first match. So I don't know why they were saying edge like has no chance of winning a straight up wrestling match against Orton. And it's dumb that they're hyping this as the greatest wrestling match of all time, because it's just like ridiculous to put that much pressure on it. Even if it is going to be in like, even if it ends up being a great match, there's no way you can meet that expectation. 
But what <laughs> on SmackDown, they showed this video package and they had the gall, they had the audacity to say, Orton versus Edge. This is a story that writes itself. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> you, they've been calling it the like the greatest wrestling match ever. Right. They've been like turning Edge into like this guy who like the story they should have initially told about Edge coming back and trying to wrestle that he couldn't hang with Orton that Orton's been Edge is gonna have ring rust and then they he came back and beat Orton. They're not telling them that now. They're telling this. They're telling this story, this different story now. That Edge can't win. And I'm just sitting here, and they just kept saying it. It's like a tagline to the, it's Backlash, the greatest wrestling match ever, semicolon, a story that writes itself. So (laughs) I was just like, I could not believe it. (laughs) And uh, yeah, but yeah, Angle here, talking about the, uh, they're going to have a great match. He talked about the chemistry that Ric Flair had with like Ricky Steamboat, Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, him and Brock Lesnar. And I was just like, I mean, I heard this match is good, but I don't know. <laughs> just it don't see it as be as good as those. It won't be the greatest wrestling match this week because Dan O'Brien and AJ Styles is this Friday, and it supposedly tore the house down. Yeah, there's no way that it's better. No way. And if it is, I'll eat my words. But there is no way. Yeah, not happening. Okay, so I don't like think, the I'm I don't sorry, think, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't think Randy Orton's ever had a top 10 match no. of all time. And I don't no. think this is it. But anyways, no. continue. He's one of the greatest promos ever. And I think uh, we'll talk about that someday, about the greatest through the decades. I uh, Not in the ring, though. Like, he's solid, but not... He, he, he will not go down if he retired tomorrow as having a top 100 wrestling match of all time, in my opinion. That's just me. Uh, Viking Raiders are backstage now, and they're like, hey, man, you want to join the raid? You want to be a Viking? Moves over, you see Drew McIntyre, and he's like, I'm actually Celtic, but I'm going to pass on the whole Viking thing. But you know what? We can celebrate after your win tonight because I hear you're wrestling Bobby Lashley and MVP, and I even have turkey legs for you, which made Ivar very happy. He says Ivar is a ladies' man, and Eric, well, he's, you know, he's not. Eric looks very sad. Ivar looks very happy. I guess this is what we're doing with these guys now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, we go to the ring, and then we get your second talk show of the night. Now, I don't necessarily have a problem with talk shows when they are rare and when they are special, but these are just promos. Like, why not just have someone standing in the ring? Like, the Peep Show was fine. The, the MVP, or what, the VIP lounge was fine. But there's nothing really to it. Like, they just set up a couple chairs. It's just a normal promo time. It's not special. Remember Piper's Pit? Remember how special Piper's Pit was? Or whatever was the barbershop, Brutus Bar Beefcakes thing? Like, they were good. And they were actually, they had their own sets. Everything was interesting. These are not interesting. I'm sorry. What was Jericho's called? Um... Highlight reel, that's right. Highlight reel, yeah. Yeah, that was good. He had the Geratron 5000 or whatever it was. Yeah, it was great. It was a big old TV. Yep. Which now is very small. But uh, So basically, MVP is putting over Bobby Lashley. He says, my guest has done this, 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 and this. 
And then Drew McIntyre comes out and he says, I have done all of those things, thank you, but I've also won the WWE title. And I know that even though in your heart you were talking about me, you're really talking about Lashley. That's something that I've done that he hasn't done. He insults MVP a little more. But Bobby Lashley comes sliding in from the back. Drew McIntyre sees him. And instead of, he just keeps talking. Everybody just stares there. And then Drew McIntyre headbutts MVP. And Lashley just stares at him. Fine. It's fine. And then we move in, we go to commercial comeback. MVP and Bobby Lashley are wrestling the Viking Raiders. But what's interesting is before the commercial started, the Viking Raiders came out after the headbutt. And then the Street Profits came out. And they're buddies with them. And I thought it was the best thing ever. And I know that's super hypocritical of me. Because that is not something that I would generally say. And I would usually hate that because these guys are feuding. But they're not really feuding. They have a friendly rivalry. I liked it. I thought it was funny. So the Street Profits and Drew McIntyre outside of the ring. They, the Viking Raiders are wrestling MVP. And Lashley, the Viking Raiders, are working over MVP. But Lashley is dominating them. They did get a little bit of offense on Lashley, but not nearly as much as they probably deserve. Uh, they basically... Uh, Ivar gets tossed outside. Lashley puts a full Nelson on Eric, and Eric taps out. He doesn't pass out, he taps out. I hate that, but again, this isn't the unstoppable war machine that we've had in the past. These aren't NXT's war raiders. This isn't even the Viking experience. This is the turkey leg-eating, bowling Viking raiders. So, whatever. If he needs to tap out to put over the guy that's challenging for the world title, fine. I'll deal with it. I mean, it's it's similar to the women's tag situation where I didn't understand. I mean, like, I still don't really understand why they're building up Viking Raiders and Street Profits and they're just being friends. But then they just come out here and, like, their first... I mean, they've really just been doing all these segments and haven't had a match. So, this is, like, their first match after all these segments trying to get them over. And they just lose. I mean, I know it's Lashley. And he's got a title match. But still, I was just like, okay. And, I mean, like you said, they, they're not the, you know, they're not War Machine. But still, it's kind of, I was sad. <laughs> right. Yeah, it makes sense. So after the match is over, Ivar comes in the ring, demolishes MVP. He gets the full Nelson put on him by Lashley. The Street Profits are pro- trying to pry him off, but they just can't do it. And then Drew McIntyre comes in, claymores the crap out of Bobby Lashley, who rolls out of the ring and, like, kind of no-sells it. Like, he was, like, shaking his head and stuff. But he kind of no-sold this, which is fine, I guess. He's a big monster heel, if that's what they want to do. It's fine. Just don't make Drew McIntyre look dumb. Because you've already made your other champion on the show look dumb, and we're about to talk about it right now. Also... Before you move on to this, yes. uh, Byron Saxon said, in addition to the greatest match ever, we could see this match at Backlash, and it could be the greatest fight ever. Yes. Both wrong, by the way. Yeah, 100%. Also <laughs> incorrect. So Oscar wrestled Charlotte Flair for almost 30 minutes. Now, was this match good? Yeah. Was it overbooked? Maybe. Did it have a good finish? Well, you already know the answer to that, don't you? It's WWE. Come on. Come on. So they're wrestling, but before the match starts, Sasha and Bailey come out. They're on commentary. You see the Iconics in the crowd. And then about 10 minutes into the match, the Iconics come out of the crowd, attack Sasha and Bailey, and they fight to the, to the 
inch its way through the back. It's fine. Asuka and Charlotte are tearing apart this ring. They are so good. They have so much chemistry. It is just absolutely wonderful. And then, when Raw only has about 60 seconds left, Nia Jax runs to the ring, gets up on the apron, grabs at Asuka, who punches her. She hits her with a hip attack and turns around into a big boot by Charlotte Flair, which is not her finisher, by the way, and she uses it quite often. And that is enough for the one, two, three. Now, yep. I know I, have, I know what you're about to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to save my point real quick, and then I'm going to let you do it. Okay. Charlotte Flair and Asuka had two wonderful matches tonight. They had a good 12-minute match that was a six-man tag, or triple threat tag, I guess. They had a wonderful 30-minute knockdown, drag-out main event on Monday Night Raw. But both were booked, the ending of the match, both were booked poorly. So my concern, and I was talking to my beautiful wife about this, I said, you know, if I took my top 10 wrestlers in the world today, as much of an AEW mark as I am, I think I would have more WWE guys in there, uh, of my, just my personal favorites, not even the best wrestlers, just my personal favorites, I think I would have more WWE guys than AEW, AEW guys. But I like AEW better because WWE doesn't know what to do with my favorite wrestlers. And that is a huge concern. Because I should like WWE more. But it's not even close. I enjoy AEW ten times over more than WWE. Because WWE books these things that are so stupid. Do you know how many times tonight they said the greatest wrestling match ever? I'll tell you. Because someone counted it. Fifteen. They said it fifteen times. In three hours. And of those three hours, 52 minutes were commercials. So in two hours, they said it 15 times. So anyway, I'm going off on a tangent and I apologize. But I'm just, it's just the little things. I enjoyed the show. But the little things, like the end of the show, the end of the night, is what really bothers me. So Mr. Kyle Polly, I know what you're about to do. You go right on ahead because I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. <laughs> I love the soundboard, man. It's great. Uh, just, okay. Like you said, this match was like 30 minutes long. It was a really good match. The main event of SmackDown was a women's tag match for the tag team titles. It was also a really good match. One of the best, if not the best, women's tag team title match uh, since the titles have basically come into existence. Um Oscar's been great. Um, NXT in your house match was great with Charlotte, Rhea, EO. They have some great women's wrestlers. Uh, even Lacey Evans, who I've hated on before, and Sonya Deville on SmackDown, they've been really good lately. But as I said, this booking, as you just said, Matt, has been so horrible. Like it's astounding that anybody can get over at all. Like, for I mean, and it's it started back when Charlotte won the Royal Rumble when everybody was hoping Shayna would win it. Shayna's just been nowhere to be found. Even after winning, she won her last match, but she's been nowhere. Uh, I mean, Charlotte just interjected herself. She was the NXT Women's Champion. 
Like you would think her and Oscar are going to be wrestling at Backlash. By the way, she's gone up against Oscar lately, and Nia's just like been an afterthought. Which hey, if Nia's an afterthought, that's fine by me. But I mean, she's been killing people in the ring for this main event, so whatever. Uh, but no, it's going to be Oscar versus Nia Jax, sure. Um, and like I said, it didn't. Even though the women had a great match on SmackDown, uh, the tag, the women's tag match, it made no sense long term. I mean, they're going to have a triple threat match, and Bailey and Sasha could win, but I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen. It could just drag out that story even longer. But all of these finishes to these matches have just been horrible, especially with Asuka. Because, like you said, and I mean, I've, in my opinion, she's been fantastic. I mean, even the segment where she was coming out there and dancing and being all goofy and Charlotte said, can you take anything seriously? And she just stopped and said, yes, I do. And just slapped her in the face and just was just dead serious. And I was like, oh, Lord, like she came off so awesome after that. But then, I mean, this is two weeks in a row. She was she wrestled Charlotte last week and Nia came out and played distraction and they got a count out. I was like, "Okay, fine. She wrestles her again this week in the main event of Raw. And has a title match against Nia Jax coming up to the pay-per-view. And she loses clean to Charlotte. Why? And, like, dumb. Because Nia comes out again. She's distracted again. She gets big booted and beaten. Why? And, and the the first match of the show. The, uh, the women's, the triple threat tag match. Like you said. The tag team, two of the tag teams that are going to be in the match at Backlash for the title, they both just lost to Charlotte and Oscar, who aren't even a tag team, and we're not getting along. So, future endeavor this week goes to the booking of the entire women's division because it's been horrible, and it's not of any fault of these ladies except Nia. It's her own fault, but. Just this writing is so horrible. I don't understand it at all. It's doing nobody any favors. And it just, these ladies have been working so hard. And these matches have been really good. They should be rewarded. And they we should be remembering how great of matches they are. But then we had these horrible overbooked or just dumb finishes. And it just ruins it. So future endeavor this week goes to whoever's booking this women's division. I guess Vince. Because it's just been terrible. And it frustrates me to no end. And I'm just tired of it. So best of luck, women, in your future endeavors because you're going to need it with this book. <laughs> you know what? If I remember right, you correct me if I'm wrong. I believe we had zero surprise roll-ups on this WWE Raw. Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. So if you if you don't include NXT because they are a wrestling show, this might be the first WWE show I've watched this year, this year, guys, that hasn't had a surprise roll-up. There was a surprise, like an interference. It was a clean finish, but it was dumb baby face getting distracted finish. Right, yeah, but not a, not like a random roll-up, you know, schoolboy, one, two, three. Like, I, I don't know, that's a, that's a right. plus. So I'm going to rate Raw, and, and again, I'm going to try to let my nitpicky stuff not influence it too much. Because in between the ropes, it was incredible. These guys and ladies worked their tails off for no one in that audience. This show between the ropes was stellar. It was great. 
And I will tell you, even though the ending of both the women's matches were really stupid, there was no other segment on the show where I threw my hands up and I'm like, I can't believe they're doing this crap. There was no Usi Hot. There was no carpool karaoke. There was no two wonderful, hilarious workers forced to do terrible comedy and Saturday Night Live get-ups. This was fine. There was no Braun Strowman. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I'm not watching SmackDown. And, and also, most of it was even good. I really enjoyed this Raw, and I'm going to give it, and I, I know, I know, but maybe I'm in a good mood because I've been taking a break. The show gets an A minus. I really liked it. There was no point of the show where I'm like, well, guess I can skip this part, or let me get on my phone because this is boring, or this is dumb. No, it was good. I enjoyed it. All right. That means uh, Raw got a higher grade than AEW did this week. Well, I'm grading it on the Raw curve, yeah. to be fair. So, you yeah, know, in the like, Raw curve. <laughs> On the raw curve, AEW gets an A plus every week. So I think that's probably true. Even that Almost one week, I gave week. it a D minus. Yeah, that that would no, that would not have gotten one. But yeah, I can only think of two AEW shows that we've ever watched that were. I don't I don't want to say bad, but maybe I should. I think we've seen two bad AEW shows. They've been around for about yeah, a year. Fair. So that's hey, fair. yeah, that's pretty. Well, good. I gave SmackDown a C plus, and it was very similar to Raw in that it had a lot of good wrestling, but. Not great finishes. I mean, I guess Raw had better finishes, but uh, yeah. Maybe I'm just callous. Maybe I need to take a break. <laughs> I'm watching SmackDown for the first time this Friday, by the way, since Braun Strowman won the title because AJ Styles versus Dana Bryan. And That's I'm true. watching that match. I'm not missing it for the world. Well, I am going to be busy uh, playing Last of Us 2 because it comes up. No, that's not this Friday. It's next Friday. That's next Friday, man. Come yeah. on. I'm going to yeah. take a day I, I, I just hope it is. Yeah. I trust me, I've got PTO already. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's your uh, wrestling review for this week. Thanks everybody for joining us. Uh thanks Matt for calling in, uh, I guess. What? So uh yeah, Morning. I mean overall fairly good wrestling week. It wasn't horrible. Uh Matt, you're lucky you missed the Braun Strowman segments on SmackDown if you didn't see them. Oh, uh, I saw them. I, 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 it's like there, oh my gosh, there is I, no way, as I no said, I could have watched it. There were many candidates on SmackDown for uh, future endeavor of the week, right? But they weren't like really bad. I was just so mad with the women's division, I couldn't pass it up this week, but yeah, we'll see what happens this Friday. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we thank you all for joining again. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and um, Instagram at Russell Life Radio, Russell Life Pod on Twitter. Uh, as we said, we're taking your, your guys' comments, your questions on Facebook specifically, uh, but on Instagram too. We like to hear from you guys. Uh, reach out to us if you have a question. We'll be happy to answer it on the show. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We appreciate it. Uh, Matt, where can we find you on social media? You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Russell Life Matt. And as always, you can follow me on Instagram at Kyle.Polly. And as always, Micah is uh, he's running our mailbag on a. Uh, Facebook. It's a uh, kayfabe, I guess. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> wait. Let's sing a song for him. Let's sing a song. I got it. I got oh, it. Ready? Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to well mail.
Just for Micah. I love you, buddy. I'm sorry you all had to experience that. I'm sorry I had to experience I was going to join in, but then we would have made it way horrible because we were not synced up. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys next week with another review. Um, and yeah, I don't know what else to say. Then you got to do it this way. I hope you all have an absolutely wonderful day. There we go.